Welcome back to the BMX in our blood. I'm being a little quiet because it's early in the house, but I've got to head out of here quickly after I post this podcast so I can get to Powder Ridge Bike Park in Middlefield, Connecticut, where in two weeks we are going to have the best jam. Got a lot of work to do getting the jump line finished up. But everything else is looking great. Been spending a lot of time there working with the staff, and it's going to be awesome. Very grateful for their help making this a special event. So hopefully you guys will be there on July 29th, expecting a really big crowd. And this thing is going off rain or shine to benefit the family of Kevin Robinson. So... Be there if you can, and enjoy the week, and enjoy Chris Hallman. It's going to be fun. you got lots of questions okay. from Instagram followers. People jumped right on it. you got oh, like cool. a ton of good questions. So anyway, welcome to the BMX in our blood. I'm here with Chris Hallman, or Hall person. Yeah. <laughs> How many people like get that play on, play on name? I have no idea. No one's ever... I don't think anyone's ever mentioned it or commented on it at all. You might be the first. So. Oh wow! All right, I think I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty creative. <laughs> pretty funny. Um, so as we were talking about before, I know hardly anything about you, and it's uh, how old are you? Forty-six. Yes, yeah, so we're within a year of each other. So I have a feeling we were in the same. Yeah, that's what I was imagining as well. Like yeah. we're both East Coast. Yeah. You were you were you mainly a racer? Um, racing and trails, you know, back then uh, it kind of went hand in hand. Uh-huh. Now it doesn't as much, but yeah, I, I raced and rode trails, so I'd go to Long Island quite a bit. And Connecticut, we had some trails. I had trails behind my house, and there were other ones around, but not many. Nothing like Long Island or even up this way now, or um, Bethlehem. Yeah, oh gosh, nothing nothing like Eastern PA. But uh, we can actually start with that. You you were born and raised in, in Eastern PA? Yeah. Um, I was born in Allentown. Mm-hmm. And then I I mainly grew up in, in it's called McCungee. Hey, did you ever, there was a velodrome out there. Trexeltown? Yeah, oh, I lived yeah. like three miles away from that. Oh, no way. I didn't realize Trexel, Trexel Town, is that how you Trexler say Trexler Town, yeah. Trexler Town. I didn't realize it was there. Yeah. And, then, um, and then Emmaus, you know. So, right. So McCungie and Emmaus, you know, they're all like just yeah, right around suburbs of Allentown, sort of. I got you. All I used to think of when I heard the town name Emmaus is, is the publisher of bicycling. Like it was. Yeah. I applied for a job there once. Did you? Yeah. I interviewed with their art director. Oh, okay. Was that when you were in school? <clears throat> no, it was actually right after Tread died. I moved back home for a while. Yeah. And I was like, so I, I had like portfolio in those magazines, and I went in there. Yeah. And uh, but I have no, I have zero schooling in any sort of design or anything. So. No. It was in it. I don't know. It was interesting. He told me like, he told me I was an artist. And then I told him I was married, and he told me, he was like, oh, that's a bummer, you know, and you shouldn't be.
know. It was a weird interview, you know. And really? He, yeah. So you shouldn't be married. He's like, that's not good for artists, you know, or something like that. <laughs> Doesn't fit the artist. <laughs> yeah. The, the artist rules. Freedom or whatever. I don't know. Rules of artistry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, I, but yeah, I didn't didn't get any sort of job. No. It was interesting. It's hey, things happen for a good reason, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Right. Um, so you were around, if you were in that area, were you riding trails and say the... Yay! <laughs> say in your 20s, in the 90s? Um, so I grew up, I don't think I really learned to ride trails until I was 23 or 4 or something like that. Yeah. So I was a freestyle kid. I went to Posh, the old Posh, when I was like... 18, 19 or something, and that's where I got my first concussion. And then it was a few years until I, you know, I didn't ride really ride trails. And at that time, I remember, they didn't have a whole lot of rhythm there, but I couldn't. They had, like, a set of roller doubles, and I couldn't. I, you know, it just confounded me. I didn't know how to do it, you know, and yeah. I had zero racing skills, you know. I was just a right. hit a jump and do a trick kind of kid. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, uh... Yeah, so I didn't, I wasn't part of that trail scene there when I was younger. Yeah. It wasn't until I, I moved away and then moved back when I was 25, 26. Oh, okay. And I rode the new posh and some of the other trails that were around then. There were a lot of trails for a while, and there probably still are. Was, was uh, Nam one of them back yeah, then? Yeah, Nam okay. and Tioga and Allentown. Right. And then there was, I remember hearing that there were like 25 sets of trails within like, half an hour that you could go to you know it was crazy that's insane yeah <laughs> nowadays God, I know you'd be hard pressed to come across 25 within three yeah, states coast yeah. yeah right that's 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 pretty amazing um so you didn't race at all you just uh freestyle and in I raced when I was 10 years old oh yeah because that was the first you know that would have been like 82 or something you know yeah and um but I didn't I didn't like it, and so right didn't stick. Um, it's a good thing. I'm glad there's another way for people to uh-huh. ride bikes. You know, just now, obviously, it's, there's there's a lot of there's definitely different disciplines, and they don't cross they don't cross too much. Yeah, it's weird. Well, the racing seems totally different. It's just like a different beast than the freestyle side of things. But then, even like when I was little, we we rode flatland, and we rode street and we rode vert and we anything we could get if there, if there was a ramp around you know we were anything we could find to ride we would ride you know and yeah. and then there was always flatland but now it seems like i mean for a long time now people kind of specialize they're just trail riders or right or a flatlander or a vert rider it's strange right. one of my friends asked me an interesting question the other day and i told him i'd bring it up the next time i did a podcast but he was wondering where where the the description trails came from because we used to call them either backyard track or just you know jumps whatever and then somehow we started calling them trails anyway his name is Ari he uh, he lives in Europe but he's from Long Island and it was a pretty interesting question because I, I never even noticed you know I don't know when that transition happened yeah me neither yeah I remember. We just called it rhythm at first, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then, um, 
And I don't know if you've heard this or anyone's talked about it, but Mike Gentlecore and Sales, I think, both claim to have invented rhythm. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have most definitely heard that. I, I, hasn't Mike debated that? Probably on stage even. But. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. I don't That's, doubt it. But uh, yeah. with either of those people, right, right, no, definitely. Oh gosh, there's gonna there's gonna be a Chris Sales question from Instagram. <laughs> you have to know that that's coming. <laughs> but uh, you've you've lived in you've lived in quite a few different places that I could tell through your experiences, whether it be for work or or what have you. And the corn snake, I think I saw a picture of you holding that corn snake. And by the way, folks, this is Sylvia in the background. <laughs> Chris's daughter. daughter. She's putting on lipstick in a pool with, <laughs> with a go- not goggles, but she's got a makeup mirror. She's right. floating it. She's in a pool with lipstick and a makeup mirror and goggles on her head. Yeah, pretty good. And flippers. And flippers. <laughs> she is talented. There's no question there. So I'll simply ask you the question: Where have you lived, and what brought you to those different places? Um, I went to school out of, out of high school, I went to college, and I wound up, went for a year in Pennsylvania, and then I transferred out to, um, Kent State in Ohio, so I lived in Ohio doing that, and then I stopped going to school, because I wanted to ride bikes and be part of that world, and, um, I moved home for a while, and then my dad got sick of me being a guy that just rides bikes and uh, so I Joe Rich and Lucky had spent time in Iowa and I didn't I didn't know those guys at all out of standard and I called them up and I was like hey can I move there and they were like yeah sure so I I had like I remember I had $400 and I just drove to Iowa wow and I lived in Iowa for like 6 months and it was a weird it was like a it was a weird time in standards history like things weren't there was all kinds of tension within the company. It was still Rick, Kurt, and um, Tim Quaddy. Mm-hmm. And no one was riding, but um, Sandy Carson was there. So we, we all lived together in a house. So I, I rode with Sandy a lot, but no one else, Rick didn't ride and Kurt didn't ride. Yeah. So it was a weird time. And I spent like six months there. And then for whatever reason, I missed my friends and at school in Ohio, so I just moved back to Kent, Ohio. But I wasn't going to school. I just moved in with my friends there. Uh-huh. And there was nothing to ride there. It was a weird... I don't know why I went back there. Yeah. Um, but I lived there for like six months. But that's actually... I learned to ride trails while I lived there because I would go to Pittsburgh every weekend and ride with ground truck. And that's it was, how, it's only a couple hours, right? If yeah, you're... It's like an hour and a half-ish, I think. Yeah, so I was there, and then I visited Fort Wayne while I lived there, and met Crandall and all those guys, and they were like, you should move here, and I was like, yeah, why not? So I moved to, <laughs> I moved to Fort Wayne and lived in the fat house. Oh, man. And that was like, I don't know, maybe eight months or so I was there. But that was like, a, I was there over a, a full summer, and it always stands out in my mind as one of like the best times of my life, because I barely had to work. Because rent was so cheap, mm-hmm. and um, it was ba- just I went to the trails every day with Megilla, uh-huh. and just dug and rode all day long. Yeah. And it was that was pretty nice. And Stu was there then too. Yeah, Stu was my roommate. 
Crandall was there. Um, Kip Williamson was there. Oh, yeah. Joe DeGerda was there. Mm-hmm. Mike Tagg was there, but he was recuperating from a knee injury, so he wasn't riding. Uh-huh. Um, I think Colin Winkleman was there at the time. Really? There, I, there was 13 people in the house when I lived there. I didn't know that many people yeah. ended up in there at one time. It was crazy. Like, Crandall lived in a closet under the stairs, and Joe DeGerda <laughs> lived in the back stairwell. And uh, there was just like anywhere there was like a hole, people would be living in it. You know, it was pretty. It was pretty awesome. That's wild. <laughs> I mean, how long did you stay there for? Like it was maybe half a year, eight months or so. Yeah. And then that's when. Um, so I knew Chris, Rye, and Marco, mm-hmm. and I had been like selling them photos. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to talking about magazines and how we thought they all kind of sucked and um, how we thought we could do better. And it was me, Crandall, and those, and Chris and Marco. And then Chris and Marco were like, well, let's, let's do it. Let's make a magazine. You guys should move to Chicago. Oh, okay. And um, Crandall didn't want to move to Chicago. And I was like, I'll move to Chicago. I don't care. So, <laughs> At this point, you've already been everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so then I moved to Chicago next. and Well, like suburbs. Right. And, uh, yeah, I was there for a year or so. And then when the magazine was kind of dying, and we lived out in the... It was Elk Grove Village. I didn't have a car. I wasn't making, like... They would give me money for food, and I lived on there. I slept on there living room floor and um and there was nothing around to ride really within like riding distance and uh chris and marco weren't really riding at that point and uh so i was just sick of it and i went back out to iowa again and did the last issue of the magazine from there and then worked with rick a little at standard and -hmm. spent another six months or so there Oh, so you had a couple tours of Rick. Yeah. <laughs> tours I, of Standard. Of Davenport. So a couple and, times in, in Iowa. Yeah. And how old were you when you, uh, and we'll get into Tread later, but how old were you when you were when you moved to Elk Grove? I couldn't have been more than 24. That's amazing. That's a big undertaking at that age. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know. Like, I hadn't even used a computer at that point in my life other than, like, typing up a letter in school. Right. And I had... I had zero design training in it of any sort. Right. And uh, I had taken photos and I had written article, a couple articles, you know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I can make a magazine. I know what, I know what I want to see. I can do that. That's not an issue, you know. So. Right. I just sat down and figured it out, and it was interesting. <laughs> hey, I've only seen the covers because for some reason I did not. I obviously was around. Yeah. Like most of us, was buying whatever media we could for for videos and and magazines, but I never got to see it. Never got to see Tread. Okay, yeah, I still have some. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. I would really love that. And then you went. Did you go back to after Iowa the second time? So Iowa the second time, I married a British girl named Kite. Mm-hmm. I met her while I was at doing Tread. She would call up and talk to us all the time, and she came to visit. And I liked her and fell in love or whatever. And I sent her a soppy letter after she left. Because she spent like a week with us. Uh-huh. 
and then we just kept corresponding and she moved so she moved from she was only 19 and she at 19 years old she moved from England to Davenport and I was to be with me and I was living in the basement of a house with you know so that was crazy and then so we were there like six months or so and then we moved back to Pennsylvania oh okay and spent like a year or so in Bethlehem we lived in Bethlehem and then I got the job at Woodward and we moved to Woodward and spent like four and a half years there and then she left me and um, after a I drove down to Central America for a few months, and then I talked to Crandall, and he said, you should come work for me. So I drove to Ithaca, New York, and spent a few years in upstate New York there. Who was at uh, FBM at that point? That's there the... was Big Dave and Ken Musgrave. Mm-hmm. And... Dave Harrison, you talking? Yeah. Okay. And... Uh, John Paul it was right when they moved. John Paul wasn't there yet. Um, I'm having brain freeze on some of the names. John Quartz might have just started. Mm-hmm. Um, Curry. Carey. Okay. Um, so you ended up in Binghamton. Yeah. So I, some and, people call it purgatory, I think. But. Yeah. <laughs> and that was... I was really depressed. It was a really... Because my wife left me. and Sure. That was like... I'm not good at rejection you know so I was real depressed and I didn't feel like having to look for work and stuff I just went there because it was easy you know I was like sure. yeah I'll go oh I can work there okay good so yeah. I just went there and uh, and it was yeah so spent a few years there mm-hmm. got really ha- had had enough after a few years right and uh, so I went to uh, Austin Texas Spent a few years there. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then, um... That was before a lot of people were in Austin, right? Like, no, it was uh, it was pretty happening at that point already. Had Joe already moved Joe there? Joe was there. They, they were there already for some number. I mean, this would have been 2006 or so. Oh, I got you. Okay. I was thinking earlier. No. So Austin for two years. Yeah. Or more. Two or three. Yeah. And then... I met Sylvia's mom, and she's like, you can come live with me in New York. And I was like, okay. So I just, we drove down there, got all my stuff, and then uh-huh. wound up here. And uh, so that's how I got here. And uh, and now, yeah, now this is where I'm at. So I've been, yeah, I was like a vagabond or something. It's <laughs> kind of like, doesn't look good on a on a job application <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, know. no, maybe it does nowadays. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. If you're happy. Yeah, so I, I bounced good. all over the place. So, if you don't mind me asking, where does Ever come into the picture? Ever is Sylvia's brother. Okay. And he was about eight when I met their mom. Oh, okay. And so... I call him my stepson. Mm-hmm. He'll call me his stepdad. And uh, but we lived together for, you know. He lived here for like maybe three years ish with us, and then there, you know, he was back and forth to his dad's in Colorado. And oh wow, I was there with Ever when he was a little guy. Yeah, he's an amazing guy now. Yeah, it was really. I'm awesome. sure he was amazing then, but it's. 
I met him probably three years ago. He was like, it was funny because I think, you know, I got, you know, in a relationship with his mom and she right. keeps giving me attention and he wants attention, you know. So he was like, he was, I remember he was like nine and he was like, wanted to be better than me at riding bikes, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, he's like, am I, am I, or I'm going to be better than you. I don't know, I forget how he said it, but it was funny, you know. And now, you know, he's probably better than me at riding bikes. I was going to say no offense, but I think he, I think he did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it's, it's really fun riding with him now because, yeah, you yeah. Know, he's real good. And he's a, a similar style, same sort of things I like to ride, so it's fun to yeah. ride with him. He's the nicest, I call him a kid, but he's yeah. the nicest kid. How old is he now? He's 18. Oh, he is? Okay. You still call him a kid. Yeah. My son's 18. He's still a kid. Yeah, when you're in your 40s, you call him 21-year-old <laughs> or 20-year-old. Anyone in their 20s or yeah. 30s. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I I always enjoy seeing how he's getting around and experiencing different things. And Yeah. He, he's a musician, right? He has a big appreciation for, for music. And he's just, he's like, a, I think he's an all-around. He's good at whatever around, he does, yeah. Yeah, all-around good kid. Uh-huh. He's turned out good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you had something to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> Give yourself a little credit. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, it, I, it's awesome watching him evolve and sure. do stuff. And yeah. he's like, I, I went to see him play music and you know, he'll play different styles, but this one time I went and he was playing, it sounded like, it was like mid-80s punk rock and it was like spot on. It was like, you know, it could have been any band from the, oh, no, no, it was awesome, you know. Yeah. Like, it's just cool, like, and he, he can skate really well, you know. Kind Gosh, of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything ever can't do? It's yeah. I'm just amazed at how fast he picked it up. It he seems. He makes me awake all night with his guitar. <laughs> oh, I know. He, he makes me stay up until midnight. Oh yeah. All because of his guitar. <laughs> Tough having a rock star as a brother, huh? And, and so we talked a little bit about um, where you where you worked when you when you were bouncing around currently have a, a job here that you've had for a little bit or are you well now I'm a carpenter at construction mm-hmm. and I've been doing it you know a little over a year now uh-huh I had done it here and there throughout my life a few times not something I ever planned on but it's something I can do and make some money doing so I do it and uh right. it's interesting well I don't my mother's maiden name is Carpenter, so it's funny to be oh. a Carpenter just because of that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you have to take on that last name. Yeah. Just start calling yourself Chris Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a singer-songwriter. Right, right, right. Everyone's going to steal that one. <laughs> it fits. You know, it'd be good. It seems like you're a, a pretty balanced guy. And in fact, when you pulled in and you had... You had uh, vegetables from the farm stand. I thought that was pretty cool. And it seems to make sense to me that you're you're an outdoorsman and someone that appreciates nature for sure. Am I right on any of these things, or am I or am I way off? No, I guess that's sounds about right. I do. I like outdoors. I like animals. You know, somehow I got a lot of people. I'm like a snake guy. Crandall just texted me yesterday a picture of a copperhead he found at the trails. And he's like, What's, what snake is this? I was like, oh, dude, that's a copperhead. You know, I was like all excited. You know, so anyway, I like outdoors. And 
Do you do you have uh, dietary preferences because of any of that? Like, have you been more exposed to uh, just healthy eating? I and mean, to me, you look like you're in great shape. You look like you you take care of yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I don't do anything. I guess I eat reasonably healthy. I don't. Mm-hmm. I was vegetarian for like ten years when I was younger. Uh huh. But I don't follow any specific dietary. I don't. I'll, I'll eat whatever pretty much. But I guess you know I try and. I guess what I like is reasonably healthy. You know, I don't try not to eat too much fast food and whatnot. So. Right. Where'd you pick up the vegetarianism? I think when I was That's at college, weird. all my friends were like straight edge vegans. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, I have heart disease in my family, so I, I thought it might be like a healthy choice. And mm-hmm. I like animals a lot, and so I did that until it was when my wife left, and then I was real. De- it was when I was in Binghamton actually, and I was real depressed, and I just didn't care. And I was like, I don't care. And I, I had yeah. chicken, had uh, Kennedy's fried chicken was my first meat after ten years. And how did your body accept, deal with that? My body didn't care. I farted a lot. I remember. <laughs> That's what I, I remember the transition into vegetarianism and out of vegetarianism involved a lot of gas for a while, like as your body adjusts. Right. But um, right. I never felt like physically different. Like, I don't know. Some people say, you know, they stopped being vegetarian or whatever because they felt weak, or I never noticed any difference, you know. But I, yeah, other than the farting. In, in the, during the transitional period there. <laughs> hey, is that where Steve Crandall, is that the reason he came up with the Who Farted? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> no, that, that was probably, I think Corrigan had a reputation for farting a lot. Too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Man, Steve cracks me up. Who farted? <laughs> Just out of the blue, who farted? Um, yeah, along the lines of being kind of low-key, how are you with, like, um your relationship with social media I don't really I guess I don't have too much of an opinion I'm not like I check Instagram every day but I don't spend enormous amounts of time on it Mm -hmm. and uh, it's for me it's just fun to see what people I know are. I'm not real good at keeping in touch like phoning and stuff Mm -hmm. so it's just nice to see what all the people I've known are doing Sure. And it's a way for me to catalog, like my life, and right. You know, I use it like a, it's like a photo album, you know. And uh, right. sometimes I'll sit down with Sylvia and go through all the photos and look at them, the things we've been doing, and uh-huh. and I'm just assuming they're always going to be there. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll disappear someday. I, you know, I don't know. I keep, I keep, I keep. Uh, I can't help but think. At some point, everything that I've entrusted to Instagram to be there forever and ever for yeah. the rest of my days <laughs> is not going. Is yeah. not going to be. Periodically, I, I download everything and like save it, but that's just on a hard drive too. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter much. I don't get caught up in any of the any drama on social media at all. <laughs> I, I try to ignore it. It's uh, it's difficult sometimes, but. I always tell people if it if it weren't for the things that I choose to do, like the fundraising events and uh, and the podcast, I would back off it huge because 
I kind of I, I use it to connect with people and build up excitement for things all for those reasons you know to yeah. raise money for someone or to get someone's story out like you're doing with me tonight but otherwise I I'm not super proud of where I've where I've <laughs> ended up with you know with social media but someday I think that'll change I think out of necessity for myself it'll it'll change so I was just curious about your opinion with it because it's uh it especially as we get older you you start to question how much time you're spending on something you know what I mean could I really be spending that time with in your case Sylvia or but uh yeah doing anything riding bikes or so uh besides we we touched on this a little bit but um do you have any uh, any particular interest outside of BMX? I guess my daughter's the main mm-hmm. interest, seeing her evolve and develop, right, and being involved with that. I tried to go back to school for physics. Oh, don't do this to me! I just interviewed Matt Copeland, and <laughs> he's super, super smart and well read. Uh huh. So. If you go down the road of physics, I'm out. I'm gonna have to cut no, this no, part no. out. <laughs> but I like, I like the, I just, you know, I think it's just natural human. I, I like, I wonder about the universe all the time. So mm. when, when Sylvia was like a year old, uh, her mom wanted me to do more with myself, and I was like, oh, I'll go back to. I've always regretted dropping out of school, and mm. so I wanted to go back, and she wanted me to do something practical like HVAC, and I was like. <laughs> I'm gonna study physics, you know. So I, and I didn't have it, but yeah, I thought it would be. I just wanted to study physics. I had no like practical. I've never in my life had any sort of practical goals or like I'm gonna, you know. And I, I have nothing for it. I have no money or house or anything. But um, yeah, I just I wanted to understand the universe better, and I mm-hmm. just wanted to go study physics. And mm-hmm. um, so I did that for a year and a half, and then. Oh, you did. You went for a while. Yeah. Huh. And then, um, I it was I really really enjoyed it. And then um, things got really rocky in the relationship, and mm-hmm. had to stop. And then last year, I was at this job I hated, and I was like, I had to do something. And I was like, I'm gonna go back to school again. And I started up, and then I got cancer, and had to stop again because of that. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, I would love to be doing that. That would be really enjoyable and fulfilling for me but I can't like support myself and it's uh seems kind of impossible um, sure. but that's where like I'm interested in I'm interested in like science related I like like learning about new things and anything like the only news that I look at is this website called like phys.org and it just has all science news and you can read about all the research people are doing and it's really interesting you know I would love to be involved in just learning more about and pushing the boundary of what people know. And that would be fun for me. So that's my interest. That's in, I, lots of things are interesting. The, the world is interesting. And mm-hmm. It's all interesting to think about. I don't take photos too often anymore, but so that kind of fell by the wayside. That was a big part of your life at one point, right? Yeah photography in general yeah in writing did you write at all early on like I wrote articles for uh, dig mm-hmm. and um, 
I had one article in Ride. The first thing I ever got published was in Ride. That was that was interesting. It was after I had spent a summer in Pittsburgh. I was doing I did shows for a summer with Mel Cody at an amusement park, Kennywood in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I took photos of all the guys there, and then I wrote a scene report, and just you know wrote it up, mailed it off to Ride Magazine, and uh, I had no idea with a bunch of photos. Mm-hmm. And they never like contacted me. I never like followed up on it. And then the magazine came out, and there was my story, and I was like, oh, awesome! You know? You're kidding? <laughs> yeah, it was like so that's how I the first time I ever got anything published. Nice. And um. That had to be exciting. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But I, already at that time, I was like, I didn't like ride, you know, because right. I was a twenty-some-year-old guy and into riding bikes. It was like, right. and then I discovered through Sandy Carson, I discovered Dig, and then I was like, oh, this is cool, you know. So then I, then I sit, would send all my stuff to Dig, and so I wrote some articles and uh-huh. sent him a bunch of photos. I'm glad uh, Dig is still plugging along and, and doing things the way they do, and occasionally it release things in print, which, which is awesome. Yeah. Every time there's some, every time they release something, I make sure I buy it. I'm standing up. It's, oh, it's so hard to come. It's so hard to come by nowadays. I mean, I'm there's there's Ride PA, there's Challenger, and there's there's uh, I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting. Um, uh, some that Brian Barnhart did. Or is still doing, I should say. I don't follow BMX media mm-hmm. much at all anymore, other than what pops up on the news feed, you know. It's probably better that way. It's one more thing to keep up with, yeah. I find. I like watching the when those bands bowl contests happen. That's uh-huh. fun to watch. I'm yeah. Like, oh, and then, uh, but yeah, I don't... And it's interesting, you know, because I'll talk to, like, Crandall or someone... And they just say how the whole industry's in the toilet, you know. And I'm like, oh, really? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice. I was just riding my bike. <laughs> it, I, I'm sure it's difficult to make money, and uh, you know, not, not just not just Steve. You know, it's it's all around. And when I when I put on these jams, it's uh, it's it's tough to get the donations. And I understand. I don't I don't fault any company for it, but it's. You know, I look at in my business. I look at okay, someone just gave me two hundred dollars worth of hard goods or soft goods, and now I've got to sell another two thousand dollars really just to get back up. Uh-huh. You know, two two hundred bucks. So it's not like uh, Chaps and Sam just took off with bikes that are yeah <laughs> that you and I could probably buy fifteen BMX bikes with the amount of money they have in there too. Mountain bikes. Sorry, Chop. Sorry, Sam. But yeah. <laughs> that's that's the truth. I mean, those bikes are not cheap. No, no, no. When I lived in Austin, I worked at a bike shop. Did you? And a, and they had rental bikes that I could take out, and I would go cross country riding. And I rode these. It was a nine or Rip Nine. And it was a nice bike, you know. But it was like a five thousand dollar bike. I'm not gonna buy and maintain a five thousand dollar bike. And then and then yeah. after. Having ridden bikes like that, you know, I wouldn't want to go get a $400 bike at the store. That wouldn't be any fun to ride, right. you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, yeah, it's crazy how much that stuff costs. Yeah. Uh, the place where I'm doing the jam coming up, that Powder Ridge, uh, the the people there are, are great. They're, they want me to take a bike out because they asked if I had a, a 
downhill bike. <laughs> I mean, my bike goes downhill, but I don't have a downhill bike. <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? And they showed me their whole fleet of full suspension bikes that they rent. You know, they yeah. rent the, they rent bikes a lot there. So, uh, so yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I just can't, well, you yeah. and I are almost the same age. You just can't justify some things in no. life. And that one I, I just can't justify. No. I can't. <laughs> and it's not just buying the thing. You got to like keep, you got to maintain those things too, really. Yeah, uh, we were just talking about forks. Yeah. Chops, Sam and I, and, and yeah, spring and air. And I just have cheap spring forks and mine are, they're locked out permanently. I can't, yeah. get, them to, I can't get them to, to release. You know, it's just that twist knob and it just won't won't release so i've been i've been essentially riding like a completely hard bike <laughs> hard tail no yeah. suspension in the front on that's why on dirt roads and it's a bone shaker <laughs> i know i'm but, totally happy to just still ride my bmx bike like mm-hmm. i don't see any reason to like switch to some other bike or anything like right i still like it i can still do it it's right it's fun you know yeah i don't need to and you do it well. I see the clips of you at at the think, at the Kingston trails, and you're, you're it's amazing. It's so good to see, especially now knowing that that you and I are close in age. It's you probably know Mike Gage, right? What's that? Mike Gage. Mm-hmm. He's from like Brewster area. Okay. No. He's I think he's turning fifty this year, but he he can still ride really really well, and it's it just amazes me when you yeah. when you look back to when you were in your twenties and you. You thought of someone at 50 riding trails, and you're like, no way. Yeah. And now it's it's yeah. completely realistic that you and I could be riding those trails at 50. Yeah. You know? I feel I don't really, other than that, I don't ride all, as much. On my bike, I feel pretty much the same as I ever have. It's really, it surprises me, you know? I'm like, okay, that's, this is cool, you know? Like, yeah. I, I didn't know, like, I didn't really expect it or even really think about it you know i'm just but i'm i'm, I'm here and i can i'm like oh, i can still do it it feels fine you know I'm like yeah. yeah i don't know how long that will last but um yeah. i figure i remember i i went um snowboarding once and i rode the lift up with this guy he was like 78 or something and um his name was van i remember uh-huh. he was a character you know but people ask me van how do you keep doing it and he goes and I tell him, you just got to keep doing it. That's all, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> and that sticks in my head, you know. And I'm like, eh, it makes sense, you know. You just, yeah, you know, just keep doing it. Maybe. Yeah. So we'll see how long. Makes it perfect works. sense. <laughs> Have you ever been off the bike for any length of time? Aside yeah. from injuries, but like, you know, intentionally yeah. off of it, focusing on something else. Not focusing. I was, re- so after my re- more recent breakup, Mm-hmm. I got really, really depressed. I was in, it was the worst, lowest time of my life. And I didn't ride my bike for like two years solid. Wow. And it wasn't like, um, yeah, I wasn't focusing on anything. I just didn't right. really even want to be alive, you know. I was just, and um, somehow cancer cured me of that. It was really, well, I tried to go back to school. Mm-hmm. And the people I was working for put me to part time when I did that because I wasn't going to be working a full forty. And then I lost my health insurance, and then 
I had been on antidepressants for like five years and I just stopped taking them mm -hmm. and I went like I don't know I never I, I think I might have been manic I had never mm -hmm. experienced any I was I felt crazy I felt like just this raw anger and like mm -hmm. curiosity and I I don't know I was really wild and then um then I got found out I had cancer and then I but anyway it all like now everything's like I feel better than I have now, you know, most of my life, you know, I mean, like, everything's kind of just mellowed out, and I feel fine, and it's interesting, but, um... How long ago did you have cancer? This is a little over a year now. Oh, okay. So you're at your... You've had your one-year kind of check-in, but they... Yeah. Is it two years when they start to, you know, the the, the risk of uh, reoccurrence is... is Far more diminished than, yeah. at, you know, one and then two. and That sounds so, about right. Yeah. So that's your next, uh, your next goal to hit health-wise. Yeah. But um, I was going to ask you about that, if you don't mind. But because, actually, there's a couple of, couple of things. I want to go back to the depression part. Because if you listen to these, uh, interview Garrett Burns, and that, that got... Uh, got a lot of attention because he he talked a lot about depression and uh, it's obviously it's real people don't always talk about it and I'm glad you mentioned it and uh, what what pulled you out of it you were mentioning cancer which that's pretty interesting yeah and I don't know if that I mean who knows I've been like since my mid I guess I was in college and I realized you know, that I was probably depressed, you know, mm -hmm. and I'd always been all my life kind of often down, you know, Sure. and uh, her, Sylvia's mom wanted me to do something about it, and I started taking antidepressants, but I never noticed any change from that, I just took them because it seemed to make her happy, you know, and, right. And then when I, but I, when I, so after five years of that, when I went off, like I said, that was like a, I noticed a huge difference coming off of that. And then, uh, and then, you know, who knows? We don't know that much about, you know, health and physiology and the mm -hmm. human body. I mean, cancer can change. I would imagine it could change, you know, chemicals, hormones, who knows what it mm -hmm. does to you. And, um. So who knows? I mean, it really may have cured me of it. Who knows? I can't say. Right. I just know I, I'm no longer suffering the way I was, and I don't exactly know why. And mm -hmm. I'm not on any meds or anything. So, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's interesting. And I've, um, you know, my mom, and and lately, you know, there's the CTE and all that has been a big issue lately. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had you know, at least eight concussions where I was unconscious for some amount of time mm -hmm. and my mother was always you know really worried about that and I have no idea if that plays any role or not you know it's yeah I think we're all wondering that <laughs> um, because obviously well you know this jam that's come up Kevin Robinson he just did the CT study months before he passed away mm -hmm. um, and then of course Dave Mira and yeah, that one Paul Buchanan, and, you know, just 
all these guys have had a lot of head trauma. So yeah, I hope we figure out the correlation and, and, and really find a way to nip it in the bud before it gets to the point where... Yeah, it's crazy. I watched a, a documentary, or it was a, I think it was a TED Talk mm-hmm. about CTE, and it was shocking. So it was an ex-football player that now studies CTE. He was talking, they had like these images of like a healthy brain, and it looked like a white puffball mushroom. It was like perfectly white. And, right. and then they showed, this is the brain of an ex-professional football player, and it looked like a puffball mushroom that had gone, you know, when they the puffiness come there they are like smokers lungs or something i was like sure holy crap i couldn't believe that was what happened i didn't know there was physical change in the brain like that from it it was pretty shocking and then they they were explaining that what happens is you know your brain is this huge mushy mass Mm -hmm. and when it stops like that Mm -hmm. what it does is it rips all like in the core like where your spinal cord comes up and connects Mm -hmm. into all that it's that stuff in there that rips because the whole mass of your brain is moving like that. Right. So that was an interesting talk there. Which... Knowing that I've had, you know, I and I haven't had eight compared to some of these guys is nothing. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> You've got a guy like Matt Hoffman. Yeah. That, or Koji Kraft. You hear that guy? That guy would knock himself out every contest he rode in. What was his name? Koji Kraft. Yeah, I don't know. He's a, he was a vert guy. Really? But he was like, yeah, he was always knocking. Yeah. Yeah, Hoffman. That guy, and that guy's, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't talk to Matt or anything, but right. He just seemed like a perfectly happy, goofy, yeah, human being, and he's had so many concussions and deprived. <laughs> and he still he does, does it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he's always just breaking bones and. Cutting casts off still. Yeah, I, he's been riding recently, and I, I, I swear he had, he had a serious foot break. I think yeah. it was his foot, maybe both feet. I don't know. And he's and he's back on the ramp. At, I don't know. Like it's been like later. it was four weeks, and yeah. I'm like, for most of us, and he's not. He's in his forties, right? I yeah, he's now. at least as old as me. Yeah, I think we're about the same age, actually. Yeah. And he's right back out there. Yeah. And crashing on the road. <laughs> it's just just amazing. But I, the only thing I noticed with him, and I, I ran into him at Kevin Robinson's wake, was um, it's the first time I had met him in person. And either he's very uh, thoughtful about what he says, or there's a delay. Ta- there's a delay. And I, it just seemed like there was a little bit of a deer in the headlights like pause uh-huh. and then the answer you know what I mean so it was and I, I don't know I mean it's uh, I guess it's part of the game as they say but um, mm-hmm. you know at least he protects himself the best he can but you described it perfectly you could protect your your head as much as you want but what's still there's still room yeah. for it to shake inside your skull you know yeah and that's what I, I watched uh, several talks or documentaries about it and mm-hmm. there was another one they were talking about they designed this big airbag helmet thing you know and but they, they said there's really you can't do much you don't still you've shaking. got like you've got like an inch and you're right. going from you're still 40 miles an hour to nothing over the span of like you know you know fractions of a second you know you right. can't you can only do so much 
Amazing. Nick, you, you're a helmet wearer when you ride trails? Now, I didn't used to be. No, up until? Up until I became a dad, and then I thought, spider, I, I, should, I at least owe it to her to try not to crack my head open. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> Although my, my kids are 18 and 21, it, it's, they all still, yeah. Need, I'd like to think they'd still need me in their life. So. <laughs> or be- benefit sure from you being the, there at least. Yeah, know. but I've also thought that they really benefit if I if I'm not here too because there's probably some good insurance money. <laughs> no. But no. Yeah. But no, they're 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 great, and I just um you know I no one asks me to do it, but I just say you know what I I hadn't ridden in a long time until I picked it up again four years ago, and it's I, that's the thing with me like I don't crash. Mm-hmm. Unless I crash, right. and when I do, when when I go down, it's you know I get I wake up in the hospital or something, you yeah. know, like yeah. it's the ones I don't see coming that get me, you know. Yeah. So that's, and I think about that sometimes. It's always like, did it? Did you pull it out, or did it just come out? Okay, you might not want to stay. Don't touch like the cord and stuff because there's just be careful around it. Yeah. It doesn't seem kind of odd to watch <laughs> a light floating around that's wired yeah. inside the pool. But um, did, uh, if you don't mind me asking this question, too, about, about cancer, when you found out, uh, what stage were you at? Uh, 2A. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, I think that was it. Higher the number, the worse. Is that the way it goes? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So I think, and I had, um, it was like the size of a golf ball-ish type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess I got lucky, you know, because there was no signs that it had spread, mm-hmm. and so they just took it out. So I got it. When I got it, it was during that low point of my life when I was just super depressed, and I was working in this job in this factory, and I I just hated it. And, yeah. And I didn't care. I was really really depressed, and I mm-hmm. ate like McDonald's dollar menu every day for lunch, and um. So the preventative is just that I'm not depressed and I eat reasonably healthy and I <laughs> right, <laughs> ride right. my bike and, you I know. Got you. Yeah, but I'm not taking any, like, medication or anything like that. I just... Yeah. 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 I suppose it depends on the level and whether it's spread and yeah. and, and the type, the type of cancer it is. So. And also how, like, you know, I'm not a wealthy man, so I don't have awesome insurance. So mm-hmm. <laughs> then it's just kind of like, yeah, uh, you'll be fine. Come back and see us in a right. year, you know. More um, than likely, your your life changes have have made an impact. I mean, they yeah. everyone always talks about just taking sugar out of your diet can make an incredible yeah. impact on your health. But I haven't done it yet. But it sounds it yeah. sounds good. Yeah. But, uh, but I it, think the mental thing. I don't. You know, who knows? I I so I, I watched over the last couple of years. I've watched just tons of like. YouTube videos and read tons of articles about all sorts of anything science related but so mm-hmm. anything like and health issues and and uh, my after like all this research um, what mm-hmm. I've decided is we there's we don't know that much yet like and I imagine that your mental outlook has a lot more to do with your health than any of the what you're eating or anything I, I I saw or read something recently they were saying 
they were doing this study about trying to find the optimal human diet and what they found was that there is no optimal human diet because they were studying like instantaneous they were taking like instantaneous like blood sugar levels and what they found was like some people could eat ice cream you know and their blood sugar would go through the roof whereas other people would eat ice cream and it, nothing at all happened and then some people would eat rice and their blood sugar would go through the roof. so it was like totally individual and they think that like the, your gut biome has a lot to do with it mm-hmm. and um so we just don't really know much. Then... No, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't. I I know that. Um... Yeah. So I yeah. think. So you know, I'm trying to ride my bike, and I still enjoy riding my bike. And I just, mm-hmm. I think, doing things like being active, probably, does more than. I mean, you can't eat. Probably, McDonald's dollar menu every day probably right. isn't a good idea, you know. But I. I don't think like I don't think there's like a magic just eat reasonable and stay active and that's probably seems like a good idea yeah Every, everything <laughs> in moderation if you will that yeah. that whole idea were you scared when you were first diagnosed just worried about Sylvia really I mean, this is this in, in the middle of the depression too right so yeah geez, actually this that combination of two must have just been almost completely paralyzing for your brain you know what I mean you're already depressed and then you well I was actually like kind of coming it was during like a crazy like manic trying to go back to school still working it was during that sort of phase that I found out and um I wasn't scared for me sure if I didn't have someone to be alive for I'm I mean, I not that I'd go kill myself, but if I, right. I, I've seen enough. There's nothing yeah. like yeah, right. There's nothing like I don't have any great goal or anything like that, you know. Like, sure. It's nice being here, but I don't. Right. Um. So I don't. I wasn't like. I don't know. Yeah, it was just. I was just concerned. Right. I would like to be here, at least for her, like. You know, at least till she's an adult. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> I want to give her right. the benefit of having a father that sure. cares and loves her. Right, right. Yeah. I, it was really <laughs> what was what's funny is you're in for a very pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Well, I did correct it, so you did you did get the credit. Um, I went back and switched it up. I was like, oh man, how did I do that? But what was funny is in that picture, um, I believe you, I believe. Casey's head is uh, almost out of the shot. It's a lot of uh, yeah. lower body and bite. So it's not, not an excuse whatsoever, but yeah. it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, I could be him. I, I don't know. Recently, but, I posted a video of chops. And then just based on the comments, are like, I was like, I don't think people probably think that's me. Because <laughs> I didn't, I don't think I, you know, I didn't like tag him or whatever. Right. You know? Just like I, I mentioned, you know, got to ride with Chops. That's it. I mean, you two are almost the same <laughs> physical size. Yeah. You throw Chops against you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how people could really mess that one up. <laughs> it's funny, too. I guess, you know, it's like age we live in, kind of. But, like, yeah. sort of, you're almost like 
there's got to be some kind of probability that you're more likely to be posting pictures of somebody else, right? Yes. Because yeah. that's who you shoot with your phone, you know? I mean, I know that dudes mm. obviously manage to get pictures of themselves up yeah. on their own accounts and right. stuff. But right, right. Hold my phone while I go do this. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, this one, that I, I found this online, and I wasn't really uh, sure what your involvement was, but in... Uh, I believe it was based Brooklyn. The Shady Bunch that was that was based, right? There's a standard ad in there. Did you film that? Oh, this is from Nuno's. I I read Nuno's interview of you from a couple years back. I filmed when he was. Doing I don't know Death if I filmed. All, I did film at least most of it, and I edited it. Uh-huh. It was when I was living in Elk Grove Village and mm-hmm. doing tread. And I did some video editing because I was there with the props guys. And so I just, you know, I learned the software a little and edited some videos, and that was one of them. And I found it recently. Someone had posted it on the Internet somewhere, and I was like, oh, cool. I hadn't seen it in, like, since then, you know. It had been, like, 20-some years since I'd seen it. Do you remember where uh, that was... Filmed what trails those were? Well, it may be it was the it may be a couple different sets, but yeah, it was the ravine in Fort Wayne uh-huh. was in there, and then these ones I think they're called 918 or something. They're like Punjab's trails, they were okay. south of Pittsburgh, right? And then 7-Eleven was in there. Oh, okay, that might be the rhythm that I saw yeah. that General Corps invented. Yeah, that that one there. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, was, that was neat to see again after so long. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't ever tell Keith Terra that <laughs> that he that he did not invent the rhythm. Yeah. Um, anyway, was, that was good stuff. It was probably just like you know what do they what do they call that like the zeitgeist? The, it's just in the it's just, it just bubbles up to the surface right. all at the same time. A lot That's of people. Right. <laughs> That's good. I am going to switch over some questions because I have quite a few. So uh, I'm going right. to start with Darren Meenan. He want, wants to know your wildest story of living in Binghamton. Huh. I'll just say, I don't know wildest. Building ghetto comp stuff was pretty fun. I built the one huge boulder one year. And it was, um, I would get like a 12-pack after work and just go out back and rip stuff out of that building and take go and there was this place next door and I'd get pallets and I would just sit out there and construct this crazy bowl that was pretty fun yeah but um crazy stories uh Jim Bag the one well there's so many though but like so Jim Bag was the tool maker at FBM and he's brilliant machinist you know mm-hmm. but he's just and he was just nuts and then there was um, Corn Pie, who was there at the time. There was this other guy who was also nuts. Corn Pie? Yeah. <laughs> he did, and he printed shirts for FDM. But Jim Bag would, like, hang out with crack whores, like real, honest-to-God crack Legitimate whores. Legitimate. <laughs> right. at, uh, at a crack whorehouse or something, oh, and he man. would just tell us stories about this stuff. And, and um, it was just crazy, and he was so nuts. And every once in a while, like, a couple times, he's haggard, scary-looking women came looking for him, and I was like, I didn't even want to be, like, a block away from these women. They were so gnarly-looking, you know, and he had all the... 
And I was like, why is he? Why would you? It was so weird. And I don't. He didn't. I don't think he was doing crack. He was just like. I don't right, know. right. It was. Yeah. It was such a weird scene there. Like all those. And this guy, Corn Pie. He might have been on meth or something. I don't know. But um, he had these like. I think he had like three Astro vans. But one of which would be running, and the other ones were like he would just kept taking parts off of. And he thought he could make, we called it his perpetual motion machine. You know, he had a plan to hook up like 12 alternators or something and make it electric and thought he could. And he used to drive to like, I don't know, he was nuts. Yeah. This is crazy people. Was, yeah. Binghamton is just a whole lot of crazy people in one place at the same time. Right. <laughs> Um, Type R. Kelly wants to know what was your favorite part of Road Fools 5? Um, to be honest, I didn't really like Road Fools. <laughs> no. I was on 5 and 7 and I don't remember which one was which. Like, I can't remember. One of them we were in Florida. One of them we were in um, Texas, I think. But uh, I didn't uh, I didn't really drink or party or anything. Uh, like, so for example, we were, the one we were in Florida, I was just, because I, I lived in Pennsylvania at the time and it was winter. And then we were in Florida and I was like, well, we're in Florida. Let's go to the beach. Let's uh, rent one of the, I was trying to get everyone to go rent one of those big fan boats and go fly around the Everglades, you know? Right. But everyone just wanted to like get really drunk at night and go to like Hooters and then sleep until one in the afternoon. and Right go to a park and ride a little bit you know and I was like this sucks like yeah it's, it's come on we can get up in the morning and go to the beach you know and like then go ride and right but anyway so I'm not like cool I didn't want to like hang out and get drunk and then go to Hooters and stuff but I don't know right. it wasn't I really didn't enjoy <laughs> right road fools at all people are always like whoa you were on road fools it must have been so awesome I'm like eh <laughs> Not really. I'd kind of rather stay home, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must be difficult unless you can find enough people on the trip that feel the same way. But that's got to be nearly impossible. Yeah, and I mean, some of them, you know, who knows? It's whatever trip you're on, and yeah, who was on there. One of them, we, were, I guess, the Texas one. That one was probably was that seven more, more fun. I don't remember which was which. Yeah, yeah, I think it was seven. I guess. Yeah. So but that one was more, maybe less partying, and there was just more, nothing too, we didn't do anything terribly interesting, but we just rode bikes. Trips were always weird for me, too, because, like, on those trips, I was, I took photographs of the whole thing, and then I designed the video covers. This is when they still, I think they were still on VHS at the time. Right. No, and they probably both DVD. Mm-hmm. But then, and during, like, tread years and stuff there was always like I always just loved riding my bike I always just wanted to ride and then but I liked taking photos too and then I got myself into these positions where I felt like responsible like I should be taking photos but I really want to be riding and then like but maybe I should be doing I never knew what I should be doing you know so it was like always kind of just this weird I didn't know what to do with myself I'm like I just want to ride my bike but right I guess I have to take photos (laughs) it was kind of confusing was part was part of your job documenting the trip for 
for uh, for ads and for the video covers and stuff like that. And so I think they put like slideshows in the video, okay, photographs and stuff like that. Okay, but someone yeah. else was filming besides I didn't. You. I didn't video. I was just doing still photos. Mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's do uh, some quick stuff on Tread and the real. The, I think a lot of people already know a lot about Tread, so there's other great questions. So I just picked out a couple Tread questions, and uh, then we'll get to some other stuff that I find interesting too. Um, but Angel Angel Rodriguez from Jersey. I'm not sure if you, you probably would yeah, know him. I've, he's been around he's for a from, bit. Yeah, familiar. Yeah. I know I've run into him. Yeah. He wanted to know if you think uh, Chris Rye will ever finish making a digital copy of Tread. Is that is he talking about scanning all the pages and doing Probably, like a? I would imagine maybe just a PDF or something. Oh, okay, and just basically flipping through, creating maybe. a. I mean, you could do. I mean, that would probably be the easiest thing to do. You could do, um, like eBooks or something too, mm-hmm. but that would be a whole lot more. You'd have to get all that text scanned into. I don't think they have the files for any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. Was there a lot of text in Tread? Or yeah. was it mostly photos, heavier on the photos? No, there was a lot of text. Oh, was there? Okay. A lot of yeah. stories about different spots? Yeah, and most of it I wrote, and most of it... I'm, that was, it was, that was like, it was just like, it was like a professional zine or something, but it was like, I wrote 90% of it, I took 90% of the photos and I designed almost all of it you know it was just like me wow making them yeah, I just it didn't seem it's, I, being older and then going and trying to find jobs and stuff and right. discovering that there's like oh there's a writer there's a proofreader there's a designer there's a I was just like oh, I'm going to make a magazine you know I just did all that yeah. stuff yeah. <laughs> so wow yeah, um, I didn't realize it, I didn't realize that much of tread was, was yeah, your responsibility. Yeah, it was really personal. It was a really yeah. It was very much a lot of me. Yeah, but so to make a, I don't know, and I haven't talked to Chris about it. I don't know exactly if he has plans or anything mm-hmm. like that. Now would probably be the wrong time to ask him because I think he's probably going out of his mind yeah. with the Jimmy Levin. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's been working hard on that, I'm sure, and it's, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Yeah. But it's, uh, I think he's got his... I mean, it might be a good... Pro- I could probably take, put it up as a PDF somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just scan and just, yeah, put it together. It, it would Even be... That's, I mean, that's a decent amount of work in and of itself, but it's not too crazy. About how many pages were each issue? Maybe 80-ish. That's a lot. Maybe less. I don't know. <laughs> I I thought you'd say forty or fifty. Yeah. You know, so, because I don't know. I haven't, Maybe yeah, I haven't I held a copy. I can't even remember. Either way, it's a lot of work. I, I can imagine. You know, unless half of it's ads, but you still have to still have to deal with the ads. But, yeah. yeah but, some of the ads are probably funny and interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but even placement of that, like all these things, I I I don't wouldn't normally think of you had to deal with yeah you know <laughs> where's the right place to put the ad for yeah and, i don't know standard for instance but it's uh or fbm or well i didn't sell marco 
think mainly Marco handled like selling the ads. Mm-hmm. Remember they they were they they wanted me to help sell ads one day. I think um, so. That was probably the main problem with that was there was no like business model, and I didn't have any business sense at all. I was just doing something that I was passionate about, and and so anyway, they asked me to like try and make some ad sales calls one day and I called up I think it was Supercross uh-huh. and which is a company I didn't care at, about at all you know and I called this guy up and I was like hey making this magazine would you be interested in in uh, advertising with us mm-hmm. and he was like well what can I do to see more of my writers in the magazine and I was like I don't know sponsor some interesting riders I don't know yeah <laughs> like, and that's a, that was mostly a racing company right yeah and I still was is like, it just seemed like I was like, "What a douchebag! Why would I?" In the way it worked in my mind, which I know is totally not reality, uh-huh. but I was like, "I'm gonna make this totally awesome thing that people are gonna want to see, right. and that's why you should want to put your ad in there." You know? Right. I didn't under. I have no like. You know, I had no. The sense one hand of, washes the other. Kind yeah. Of no, stuff. I'm. A, I was a <laughs> fucking twenty-four right. or five BMX kid. I had no idea how any of that worked. You know? Right. I was just crazy about bikes and right thought that's how it should work oh, so. that's funny <laughs> that's that's pretty good um here's another one derek DeRose. he wants to know is are there any chances of you releasing a box set of tread if money is an issue maybe a kickstarter would help uh you produced one of the best magazines ever thanks for all of your contributions to bmx um it's it, we're we're in the same vein of of you know, do you digital digitalize it or you know box set it? And it's either I, way. You're talking expense and either yeah. reprinting or because I, I would assume he means reprint the magazine and sell it as like a four pack, like a yeah. I can't imagine there's enough people that would want it to justify that kind of expense. That mm-hmm. was I don't. I mean, that's why it stopped because it's really expensive to print magazines. You know, like. um and uh in a quality print right not a yeah not newspaper or even, you know yeah Wait. so i can't imagine that a print version of it would ever happen but yeah you know right a digital version i think we're in that uh, well i think we're in that era right now where there's guys you're you're my age that and and probably a probably a five to ten year span on each end of our age that people want to reconnect with the past and have a tangible yeah. you know artifact from that <laughs> you know so I think that's why we hear a lot of that uh, and we all talk about it you know yeah. it's it's so hard to access these things every now people are trying to collect it my actually uh, Powers Bike Shop said he's I think he put it he put something there I, I need issue four yeah. you know <laughs> because he's got he's got a pretty cool thing going he's got a library going at magazines and he's missing I think he's missing one, uh, one issue to complete the magazine his his collection and chronologically with by with each magazine uh, uh, company, but um, but anyway, that's that's my feeling on it. Is people are trying hard to connect to that that era that they believe was the golden <laughs> era, you know, yeah. which as Groundcheck said. It was the golden era for us, but don't go and tell the Hollands it's a golden era because they're going to tell you this is the golden era right now. Uh-huh. You know, so it's 
And actually, it's, what's that? Go ahead. Ground Chuck's funny with all his sermons, <laughs> as he calls them. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he is the best, and he helps me a lot with the, the benefit jams, too. He, uh, when I, when I, uh, when I get tired of begging, he, when I get tired of begging, uh, Grunchuk steps in and and puts on full guilt mode right onto the, <laughs> makes the, <laughs> guilts people into donating. Nice. Yeah, he's he's the best. If I need a good hard hard personality, uh, Pittsburgh personality to come out and right the wrong, he's he's my man. <laughs> yeah, that was a. <clears throat> I have great memories of Grunchuk, and I basically learned to ride trails following him around Push. And um, I, I went to push, and they had this million pack, they called it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it And that's, I remember I got there that weekend, and I was like, all right, you know, and that was my goal. And I it just, like, all one set at a time, you know, I'd make first set, two sets, three sets, and just I spent the whole, like, weekend working my way down through this section. And then I would go there, like, every weekend, and I'd stay at Chuck's house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was, like, he was six, 16, and I was like, oh, so you were at his parents' 23, house, 24. Okay. You know, it didn't seem weird to me at all. I was just like, a place to stay and someone to ride with. And, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that's how I totally like learned to ride trails, and I would just follow him all the time. Uh huh. And he would go super high, and then I'd be like, oh, I have to go really high, or I'm going to run into him, and I'd like have to pull up really hard. And, oh, that's awesome. And then, uh, yeah, and just, he's, you know, ground truck so he was real he was always yeah a character and fun to hang out with so those were good good times the good times are still there because he he is really (laughs) still a character yeah i whenever i go to uh, pittsburgh he's always nice enough to to tell me not to sleep in the van and come over nice (laughs) so i stay at his house and i think the last time i was there he pointed at the kitchen sink and said uh Chris was here one time. And he's sitting there. I get up and I, he's there in his underwear making pancakes. <laughs> he's told me that story. Nice story before. You could deny it if you want to. It doesn't matter. But I actually don't remember it, but I wouldn't. Could have happened. Yeah, right. Right. Hey, <laughs> well, if so everyone liked wouldn't the, happen. <laughs> right. If everyone liked the pancakes, then we're all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stephen Hamilton. He wants to know what do you think the highest air is that you've done, and what ramp it was on. You know, it was like cloud nine vert ramp. I was one time when I lived there, I thought I'd get into riding vert because Jamie was there. Oh, so he, he told me I got eleven foot out once. Really? So that's like, and then you know, I lasted like two weeks, and I was like, eh, I don't. Eleven foot out on the vert well, ramp I, there. I rode vert was like my thing when I was like a teenager, and I yeah. had a vert ramp in my yard. Okay. For a while, and I could get like nine foot on that. Jeez. Um, so I was like a vert guy in my late teens, and yeah, so that yeah. was what I was into. Wow. Yeah. So and then Jamie told me I got eleven. So that's like the closest to like documented. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know. That's amazing. Good for you. <laughs> no, I could. I was like. Yeah, I like vert. It's fun. Wow. Um. All right, here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna combine a couple questions. Adam Baker and Aramina. Uh Adam Baker said Chris is the best, aka the dude. 
how do you how do you ride in running shoes and have you considered climbing shoes dress <laughs> shoes or maybe or maybe work boots have you considered other options and then Darren Meenan says how did you get the nickname the dude and why um, so we got we got footwear and uh nicknames for that question I just think running shoes are comfortable in general and uh I can I don't notice any problem riding in them so I just wear running shoes I just think they're comfortable to like have on and walk around in still today yeah so when you ride at the local trails you're riding in yeah these new balance generally I I mean a lot of people say I'm sure you know that they like to feel the puddle and and I I run so my running shoes are there's a lot of foam Uh so it would seem that I wouldn't be able to feel the pedal as much I don't know it's just yeah, I don't, I've been doing it now for like I haven't had BMX shoes in a long time uh, no but and it, when I lived at Woodward I, I have a funny memory I would ride in running shoes mm-hmm. and like sweatpants and stuff I would be because I lived there you know and I'd just be like right it's like <laughs> I was in I'd be hanging out and like and I'm, I'm gonna go ride you know and I remember all this uh Pro inline woman, uh, Robin Williams. Not, what was her last name? In any case, she was. Yeah. She just thought it was hilarious that I was riding in running shoes and sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> mm, comfortable, you know. Right. But right. I, I, yeah, I just think these shoes are are comfortable, and then and then I have to admit that I I enjoy that also just the reaction because people think it's weird. Like, yeah. so last year I went to the FBM open house with Ever. Mm-hmm. And we were riding to Ithaca Skate Park, and yeah. Everhood said that some guy said, "That guy doesn't look at that guy. He doesn't give a fuck. He's riding in running <laughs> shoes, you know, like like riding in running <laughs> shoes is like the punkest thing I could possibly do, or something. <laughs> or like I like. I remember one time I went to some trails when Ever was still really young. We were at these jumps, uh-huh. and the kids, you know, I just look like a dad or something and they're like yeah you want to take it easy these jumps are pretty thin. and then I could hop on my bike and just went through the jumps and they're like whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so I like being just you know weird like that for whatever right. I, I enjoy that aspect of it and I don't right. I don't notice any deficit you know like I don't yeah they seem to work fine so <laughs> yeah alright <laughs> and then the dude the dude the dude came from Stu I think oh, and yeah. I don't that always it kind of bothered me, and it was it was funny because like I always kind of I didn't call him the dude, but mm-hmm. I always thought of Stu as the dude sort of because he would just say dude all the time, right? And then somehow he like made that stick with me, and then um, you know, and then the big Lebowski, oh, the right. dude, <laughs> and I'm like, am I like that dude? Is, is that who I am? You know, I don't know. Like it's funny, it's hard to know yourself. Oh right, right. But I always, like, you know, and I'm not really like. You know, I'm not, I'm not a stoner, not nothing sure. against it, but you know, I don't. Right. I'm like, am I like, yeah? Do I come across like that? I don't know. Right. Yeah, right. I, so I think it was Stu that gave me the name, and uh, or made it stick in some way. Yeah. It seems, but yeah, who knows? Maybe it was for an entirely different reason. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's see, Insta Diggles. He says. Chris is one of the top five riders for me. Truly an underrated rider and one of the smoothest on the East Coast. Him and Drew Jenkins are my favorite. 
Well, it's an honor to be lumped in with Drew. Do you know Drew? I know Drew very, very well. Yeah, and, he was. And he is. He was amazing. He was amazing. Um, if you wrote today, he would still be amazing. Yeah. But he's and he's a great, great person. Yeah. Um, he went to college. I've, on other podcasts, we've talked about him because his name comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went to college at Westfield State, which was near, very close to where I lived in Connecticut, just across yeah. the border. Uh, and we had known each other from racing anyway. And when he lived in Maine, we'd visit there. And but then when he moved back to Philly, uh, around Philly, we would go to Drexelbrook a lot. So anyway, that's how I know Drew. So. No more out of me. <laughs> you go ahead. You were asking me if I knew Drew. Um, yes, well, you, and you were lumped in with Drew. That's t- top five riders, and you were lumped. You were you were in there with Drew. So we'll get the other three out of him sometime. I didn't ask him who his other three are. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. Yeah, it's always weird. Like I don't know. I think I have like like a body image disorder when it comes to me and riding because when I see myself ride I'm always like oh, I was, I look like weak or something you know I don't know it's like yeah so <laughs> you know I don't really get it but um so it's weird it, it's nice to get compliments and whatnot but it's mm-hmm. always it just it is what it is but um and yeah I think when I made Tread I did a little thing on Drew once and I I, I had this thing, it was called Unsung Heroes, and mm-hmm. I, I would like, I don't know how many of them I even did, I just remember the one of Drew, the idea was just to pick someone who was an amazing writer that wasn't in the spotlight, you know, and there's tons and tons and tons of them, yeah. and I remember he was one of the people I picked. Nice. Because he was just, yeah, you know, you got to witness him ride, you're like, holy crap, that guy's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he was, he was always good, always, and he was a really good racer too. Yeah, really, really good, but just so smooth at the trails. But yes, um, so enough of that one, yeah, enough of that one. We get that. We get that covered. Uh, Motivado. He wants to know if you. Oh, now we're to the underrated part. Now it's your turn to be underrated. Uh, did you ever feel underrated? I remember you being described as the best underrated underrated rider out there. Or did you consider it a compliment? Either way, you were and are a badass. I think underrated is a funny term in general and the way people use it, but um, I just didn't, like what people that I rode around liked would compliment me and whatnot, you know, so it's, I don't think it's that I was underrated, it's just that I didn't seek attention, or I'm, and it's because I was a really awkward, shy person in general when I was younger. And, mm-hmm. You know, so it's just that I wasn't like. It's not that I'm underrated. It's just not many people knew about me. I don't think, right. or not. You know, and I wasn't in right. the contests and all the time and in the spotlight all the time. So, sounds like you weren't putting yourself there anyway. Yeah, so you know, just, you, by choice. Yeah, that just wasn't your thing. Yeah, which is, I, I think that's good. So yeah, it's not that I was. Yeah. So under. Okay, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird term, but. Yeah, it could. It could be. It could be inadvertently taken the wrong way, for sure, but... Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't like an... It's just part of who I am as a human and my psychology. It's not that I mm-hmm. chose to do that. Sure. It's just the way I am, so... 
<laughs> yeah, it, every sport has has the person that really is very visible and makes himself very visible. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and BMX certainly has has had that and still does. So, uh, which is good. I mean, that's yeah. that's the balance. Uh, Boston Sean wants to know that tail tap to bar spin on the sub box at at uh, scrap at a play bike rock competition blew away a lot of minds and in my opinion made people take notice was that something you had been doing or just happened to attempt and pull at that comp I don't even remember it <laughs> no well if it was play then that was, that was how right I mean I know the contest yeah yeah but I don't remember doing that I, and I swear well who knows I've had enough concussions maybe there's things <laughs> right. that have been erased yeah, but I'll have people like compliment me mm-hmm. on stuff that I know I didn't do, and I'm like, yeah, there was a dude that time who did the this and that and then this, and I'm like, no, that was chops. Yeah, I don't even. I'm just like, <laughs> cool, you know, like <laughs> someone compliment, someone said something about me flipping a set like at posh or something. I was like, I never flipped a set of doubles at posh in my life, you know, like yeah, unless the, unless I got erased somewhere from my right. memory, like it never happened, you know, so. Yeah, who knows? Maybe yeah. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's something I just don't remember, or right? Who knows? Uh, next, oh, uh, Janice from Caddy Woods. He wants to, well. He, statement: Such a humble dude. Uh, talk about working at Woodward in the early days. Thanks for getting us in there to ride. <laughs> Woodward was weird. Um, I worked there as a teenager one summer, like instructing. Mm-hmm. And then I was super psyched, and I was just like, next year I'm going to be there all summer. And I applied next year, and they totally didn't hire me. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. I was so, like, bummed, you know. And then after I, it was after I made Tread, or while I was making Tread, Gary Ream got a hold of us and, like, being props Tread and wanted us to make the brochure that year. So I wound up doing that. And then the magazine fell apart. Mm-hmm. And he called me the next year and said, "Can you make our brochure?" And so I did. And um, and then he wound up hiring me full time to do like graphic design and oh. uh, at Woodward and be like, you know, art director or something. Uh-huh. And I and uh, so it was weird because I didn't even I didn't apply. I didn't like he found me and asked me to come work there. So it was interesting right. and. Uh, and uh, it was, I was, I was too young to think no. I, like when I left there, I assumed I would be able to go find other similar jobs, and I never had like any right. real luck doing that. You know, it was like during the summer I took photos of all the visiting pros in skateboarding, inline BMX, all the visiting Olympians and coaches, and. Um, Gymnast, just anything of note that was happening there I had to get photos like document uh-huh. and then I would design like the brochures and the magazine advertisements for all the sports and mm-hmm. signage around camp like that sign when you drive in yeah like me and Gary worked on what that thing was going to look like and then the, the signs that tell you where to go around camp like really like I made all that stuff you know and it was um so it was like and it was it was also like i said i i was i'm kind of like a 
I was really like a shy person when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I went there, that was one of the first times I ever went, I, I sought counseling because I, I got there and it was just like so hectic and so many people. Mm-hmm. And I went to see a counselor in State College and I was like, just like, I, I guess I had anxiety or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I can't, you know, I felt all freaked out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so like camp during the summer was always just like so hectic. I didn't really enjoy it you know it was crazy and then um but i liked the off season was nice and it was like the day camp was over it was like a light switch it was like (laughs) and it was like there's tumbleweeds rolling around and there was no one there it went from like just pure chaos to like nothing instantly you know and then so that time of year was was kind of nice you know and then it, it would be a more like during the summer i was there just from eight in the morning till 11 o'clock at night or something you know whether I was like working or not I was there like all the time were you there at the same time Kevin Robinson was living there yeah for a while oh okay yeah because he was there for a few years right six or seven something like that I think I think a decent chunk of time I can't remember now if I was working there when he was there or it was because I don't know if like Sylvia's grandpa is Ed the founder of Woodward Camp Ed you said Ed Isabel so oh okay my ex is related to the Woodward gotcha family so we were there so for a few years I was there a lot yeah and I know Kevin was around then does that mean Ever is related to yeah Ed yeah Ed Isabel they yeah, they Ed is the one who founded the camp originally, mm-hmm. and um, it was oh. it just it was a gymnastics camp then. Right. Yeah. Is that when they had the BMX races there? So before that, even you know, it started wow. as just gymnastics. Okay. And then they got into, as as I recall the story, they got into some financial mm-hmm. trouble in the late seventies, early eighties. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Nina is. Um, Sylvia's mom her brother Mm -hmm. Ed's son was racing BMX at the time and I think Ed Isabel the guy who founded the camp he he designed and had some BMX bikes built too they had their own brand really? yeah um, I didn't know that yeah so but anyway so he he was into BMX and so they were like well maybe we'll try this BMX thing out and so they built that track and started having BMX camp and then and then the races came, nationals and all kinds of. So then they'd get these kids that come to camp, and mm-hmm. uh, it would rain all week, <laughs> and so you'd have unhappy campers. So they built ramps inside of the one little building, oh. and then people started just coming in. Hey, can I skate that ramp and stuff? And right. And so that's how skateboarding got lumped in there, and then you know these sports just kept kind of piling up. Wow. But it started with BMX. Started as gymnastics. Uh huh. And then. Uh, BMX got and I guess and as the story goes the US boycotted the Olympics in like 78 or something Mm -hmm. and the popularity of gymnastics apparently is like a sinusoidal wave that goes with the with the uh, Olympics and so when it's already on its downslope and then the US boycotted the Olympics and like the interest in gymnastics apparently just crashed and so they needed to do something else and they started BMX racing Got it. Camp. So that's how that all happened. Wow. 
I never, <clears throat> friend, my, my best friend went to camp there, but I only went there for the nationals that they would have there. Yeah. And it was that downhill, downhill yeah. track. Was, Were you there for any of the, like, ones that also had or freestyle events at them? Uh, no, I didn't. I was there, this was the 80s. I think I was there up to 89, maybe 90 was the last one I went to there before they stopped having nationals, I want to say. Because I, I, I remember the NBL did the nationals, correct? Yes, yeah. And they had the NBL put on a freestyle contest in association with one of the nationals. Yeah, maybe, maybe I... And, um, Maybe I hit my head. I don't remember that part. I think it was with the national. Yeah, because there was tons of cars there. It was you're like, most likely you're right. Parked out in the field. Oh yeah, we used to. And it was just all could, mud and. You could get these are the days, and I, I, I'm not the guy that says, "Oh, those days were the best." But yeah. it was very cool when you could go to a national back then and camp. Yeah. It, and it was no question, no extra fee, no nothing. Everyone just parked. And put a tent up. Yeah. And every and if you were lucky enough, you could uh, you could get spots in a cabin. Yeah. As well, but um, I I don't remember the freestyle part. It may have happened, and I was just so into the racing that I didn't I didn't really pay attention to it. But um, oh, that's pretty cool. That's some that's some cool Woodward history that I did not know. Yeah. What did they call those frames? Do you have any idea? I can't remember. Yeah, that was a story that you had heard. I've seen um, the frame. Oh, you saw the frame? Even. Yeah. They still have one there somewhere kicking around? I think she might have. Like, I, I forget now. I think it was there. I think she brought it down to her, gave it to her brother. Is this or Mina? Or? Yeah. Okay. And, um, but yeah. And Woodward sold, right? Ed sold it yeah. uh, to a. Powder Corp. They own okay. Killington and they own ah. Ski Mountains. And resorts. And, and resorts. Right. Yeah, I guess that Riviera, whatever. Yeah. 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 So, so that's who yeah, owns it now. And that's when Woodward West came, was after the acquisition? No, before. They, oh. That was when I still worked there. They opened, I made the first brochure for Woodward West. And oh, okay got to go out there and take when they just bought it and take pictures of everything yeah yeah um and then they opened woodward china that came before the acquisition and there's some and that's not that was more of like a what do they call it like a set when you open a you buy a sub like a franchise or mm, something. right right and then there was one plan for germany i don't know if that one ever happened this was while, while i was still kind of involved um, mm-hmm what year was that, approximately? I left in, like, 2003. Oh, okay. And the acquisition was shortly after that? That was, that was only, like, maybe four years ago now, something like that. The acquisition? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was more recent. Or maybe it was... I mean, Sylvia was already a couple years old. I see. Okay. How maybe old is Sylvia now? Eight. She's eight? Okay. So it might have been six years ago now, mm-hmm. something like that. Got it. Well, thanks. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, Woodward, but that was that was pretty interesting. That is very interesting to me, having been there in the '80s and just I haven't even seen yeah. the place since I got back into it. But. It's funny because I, when I worked there, to know the, I, knowing what I know about it, and I don't know, you know, I only know, like I don't know 
business deals and whatnot, you know. Sure. But then to be out in the amongst other BMX people and just hear what other people think of Woodward and what's what's going on. And for a while there was a rumor that Disney bought Woodward, you know, but it wasn't. It was just they were it was a you know marketing deal that they had. Right. They were just kind of using the Woodward image and then paying some royalties for it or whatever, you know. It was sure. like, but it's funny just to hear. Yeah, other people had all these wild ideas about what was going on there. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And then it made me realize that experience made me think about, like, you know, when people think they know what the government's doing or, like, how would you have any, how would I have any idea right. what goes on in, like, right. you know, I don't know what goes on in the, a corporation like that. How would I know what goes on in some enormous fucking... Yeah. Right. Like, know anything? <laughs> no. People and everyone. People like like the people think they know and right. what goes on and you don't know crap. Right. You know? <laughs> people wish they knew. That's all. Yeah. They want the concrete answer. Uh, all right. Let me move along here. Time to Stefano, Long Island guy. Who is your? Oh, wow, this is a tough one. Who is your favorite rider of all time? <laughs> Probably Chase Hawk. That's probably an easy one. All right. Hey, you know, you got right to it. No waffling at all. <laughs> Zero waffling. I mean, there's a lot of dudes that... But, I, yeah. That kid's... A, he's special. Yeah. On a bike. I think it's a great choice. <laughs> um, okay. Andre Bupri. He wants to know, how does the growing scene that you are in now... Uh, in upstate New York compared to some of the other scenes you have been around? I'd say it's more of a dwindling, kind of a late fall sort of scene. (laughs) Definitely not growing. There's a bunch of old dudes that... (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. It's, It's, you know, it's... Ever's the youngest member of the scene. Um, When he's home. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when he's, the, you know, when he's around every once in a while. Right. And apart from that, it's like, yeah, there's not, it's weird, no one's getting into it. Nah. And it's like, we get these kids on the wheelie bikes, the 29-inch, like, SEs, they come down to the trails, and I'll try and be nice and be like, hey, you guys should, like, learn how to do this stuff, you know, and, yeah. like, hope maybe one of them will, you know, but, yeah, no one's. I, that's. I was hoping there was more of that because I just happened to run into those kids that one day, because there was no school that day, yeah. and I went there during lunch, did my thing, and and all these kids rolled up, and I was like, oh, that's that's cool, you know, and, and they looked at me in the same way that people look at you with the running shoes, <laughs> like, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah. This guy's gonna get hurt, <laughs> you know. So anyway, they they were really nice kids, but um, you know, they're not riding BMX bikes, you know. Can't see. I can't imagine riding a bike like that at the trails, as as Brian Foster uh, once said. I wouldn't want to ride one of those because I'd just get a a uh, an ass full of wheel. Yeah. <laughs> just, I believe it was something to that effect. But it was. Um, That's funny because I've tried to ride those twenty six inch. Yeah. Bikes and I get an ass full of wheel and I'm like, yeah. how do you ride these things? I can't. <laughs> It's tough. I mean, if you talk just a little bit, yeah. I mean, 
God. And they ride them really well, too. So it's not I'm like, I guess it's, you must get used to it. I don't know. Oh, the dirt jumpers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I ran into a bunch at uh, Powder Ridge where we're having the event um, last weekend. And I'm just, how do you do that? <laughs> this, the, it's, you're so... the. You're so close to that back wheel. I mean, God, rip your nuts off. But anyway, um, Chris Berry, Garden State fifth, I guess is the way his Instagram handle goes. But um, did you hang with the 14th Street Trail guys in the whole, I think this word, um, I'm reading it as he wrote it, the whole shallow scene. Unless he meant that, I don't know. Jim and John Lubakis? Uh, I think I I'm not even sure. There's um there were some trails in Bethlehem. I think uh, that might be what he's talking about. Okay. And they were there for a little while. So maybe he was saying it was a shallow scene like it just didn't didn't take off maybe. And I don't and those the names sound familiar but I don't remember. I was yeah, it was just another set of trails that popped up and I went there for I think I I think I built a jump or two there, and then, uh, he said this. They had a line. They had a line called the Holmans after you. Yeah, I think that's. It was these. There were these jumps. They were in Bethlehem, and they were. Um, yeah, but I didn't necessarily. I just went there to ride, and I, you know, it was just another spot to ride. And, right, right. Uh, but uh, you weren't underrated there. <laughs> um. Tommy T, Spades and Flats. He wants to know if you remember the old Lock Haven trails. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was. That was PA? Was that PA? Yeah. There were these, uh, when I worked at Woodward, there were some pretty sandy, not very good trails in Lock Haven that I went to sometimes on mm. a couple of occasions. I'm assuming that's what he's talking about. Right. And one time I went there and there were dudes on those big dirt dirt boards you know that have like wheels yeah. with like suspension and stuff I remember that was skateboards but like but big, mountain skateboards yeah like mountain boards or something yeah yeah. and they they were going through the trails on them not in the trails but like trying to jump stuff like oh <laughs> uh, we'll know that the scene has completely died when we I've, see that yeah. locally around here <laughs> have oh, you met man. Tommy T I have uh, okay. I believe I met him at Caddy, I want to say. He's another um, character. Yeah, I, I believe good, I've met him. I'm good, solid BMX character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I hadn't met him personally, we at least were, uh-huh. you know, at the same place. But um, anyhow, uh, Northeast Bad Boys. These guys are always good. Uh, so what got you into photography, and do you admire other photographers' shooting styles? BMX or non-BMX? Um, I remember... The first thing I remember about photography was my stepfather took photos. And I remember, like, you know, I appreciated his photos and, like, the depth of field and stuff. And then I was always, like, interested in photography, but I never had a camera growing up mm-hmm. until I was eight. And um, BMX magazines, my favorite was Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I could tell, you know, his style, and I knew if he had taken the photo when I would see it. And yeah. I would kind of, like, just analyze the photos and notice where the light was coming from and things of that nature. 
Sure. And then so when I was 18, I got a camera for my birthday, and I just started taking photos of BMX, kind of by default. And mm -hmm. um, I remember I wanted, so I was, I was in school, and I decided I liked photography, mm -hmm. and I thought I was going to... I would study photojournalism. That was why I went to Kent in Ohio because they had an actual photojournalism uh, degree. Mm -hmm. So I went there. I never actually took any photography or journalism. I think I took an intro to journalism class. Um, yeah, but I got... I really enjoyed... There's like... There's been a few things in my life that I've gotten, like, just totally obsessed with, you know? BMX, obviously, and then, mm -hmm. like, photography for a time, and then graphic design for a time. And it's weird, like, because none of them seem terribly important anymore, you know? I'm like, I guess, you know, you're older, you have a child, and... Mm -hmm. But to think back, I mean, they were, like, religious experience, or they were, like, really things that were really important and meaningful to me at times in my life. And now they're just like, oh, it's kind of neat, but you know, <laughs> yeah, right. But it's, but yeah. So I, was, I got that way with photography, where I was really into it in some weird way, and I just, and I always wanted to, um, have photos published. And so, like, I remember reading that magazines preferred transparencies, like slide film. So that was all I shot. I was like, okay, slide film. So I just shot oh, slide yeah. film all the time. And, um yeah I didn't realize that um no that was so the pre-digital era yeah right but rather than um rather than just the the negatives they they, they want them actually yeah at that time that was the that's where I read somewhere you know so mm -hmm. I said alright so I'm just yeah shooting slide film that's pretty cool and um yeah I kinda Right before I met Sylvia's mom, mm -hmm. I was going to make a... I got... When I left FBM, I got a job as a photographer, a temporary position at Cornell University as a photographer. Mm -hmm. And that was really an awesome experience, and I just got to take photos every day for like six months. Uh -huh. And then um, I was planning... And then I interviewed with a, a photography... Like a studio, like a what are they? Like an agency mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, and they said they would work with me and like help me develop myself as a like a commercial photographer. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was saving money and I was planning. I was I was in Austin. I was saving up and I was going to move to Philadelphia to pursue that. And then I met Sylvia's mom and fell in love and was like, yeah. I'm, just go to upstate New York instead. So <laughs> then I ended up in upstate New York. I forgot to ask you that. So yeah, that, now we know how you ended up in upstate New York, but that's, is this where she's from? No, she just, she just picked it. Just sort of, yeah. Her best friend growing up, well, they, so she grew up in Woodward. Right. And her best friend there happened to move here. And I'm not sure, she was a client, they were both climbers. Rock climbers, mm -hmm. and you get the gunks are here. Right. And it is nice. I mean, look at tonight. Tonight's absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. it's, it's really it's nice country. There's great. not like, there's no industry here. It's like hard yeah. to find. So, like, if I'm going to be a photographer or a graphic designer, it's not like a 
great place no. to do that. No, you're you far know? away from the action. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm a carpenter. Um, right, right. <clears throat> but um, I got a job a couple years back designing books here in Rhinebeck. And it really? was um, $10 an hour and 20 hours a week. You mm-hmm. know? It was a fun job, but <laughs> you can't really yeah. live on it, so... It's a really weird area too, because there's all this money coming up from the city. There's all these second homes up here, and right. there's no local industry. It's just a, it's a bizarre right. little. Yeah, contractors are doing well. Yeah, it's, which is what you're alluding to, but um, and that's what I see in my business. I mean, it's crazy. If it weren't for that, then then I would say, yeah, if we're left with just Poughkeepsie and Kingston, we're in trouble. Yeah. You know, it's, but there's, there's a lot of weekend money coming up here for, for sure. Yeah. For, or so the house we're sitting at right now, they, mm-hmm. they have a pool business and all of their customers pretty much are second homeowners from mm. the city. You know? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. So I wanted to ask you, Oh, uh, another quick one. Quick one from Northeast Bad Boys. Uh, great job building the quarter pipe at Chop's house. That thing kicks major ass. Anyway, Groundchuck has a couple. He wants to know what it was like growing up in the Bethlehem scene and what were the best and worst parts of it. Well, I wasn't really part of the Bethlehem scene as a youngster. Um, until I was like 16, it was me and one friend pretty much out in the country. It was like this where I lived. Mm-hmm. And... We didn't know anyone else, you know. So for like, from like 10 to 15, 16, it was just me and a friend pretty much. And then I was, I rode my bike into Allentown one day and I met Mel Cody Mm -hmm. at a convenience store. And he's like, dude, you ride BMX? And then, um, and, uh, so then that opened up the Allentown scene and that, that yeah. was like holy crap there's like 15 guys that ride here this is crazy you know and so yeah. and then uh and then the Bethlehem scene was more like trails and racing I guess we didn't like yeah we didn't mingle too much over there except for Joe Rich right. we, we met Joe and then I rode with him a lot you know when I was like 17, 18, 19 mm-hmm. somewhere but it was like Mel Lucky and Joe and by that time my friend that I grew up riding with had stopped uh-huh. so I just rode with those guys all the time yeah but we, we didn't we didn't really at that time I didn't go to Bethlehem hardly at all and uh, I never I never rode trails really I didn't hang out and ride in Bethlehem until I was like 25 or so and I had, it was after the magazine after I left Iowa and went back and I was married and we lived there for like a year and I mm. rode Posh a lot right. during that time. You did a lot in a short time. Yeah. You really did. You gave me <laughs> you just gave me the, the most tired Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, I was just doing whatever the hell. Right. I think it's I think it's cool that you were open enough and adventurous enough to take chances and try different things. I mean, I, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I told, you asked me what I did, what I do now for work and I've been doing the same thing for 30 years, you know, or maybe I was talking to Chops and Sam, I forget. But, um, yeah, 30 years is the same thing. I haven't taken any chances away from it. I've I've kept it, kept it pretty, pretty stable, but, um, which I can tell you, 
makes you yearn for the other side of just yeah you know really taking chances but um yeah but i have like nothing you know i yeah, what do you need yeah i don't really but um it's harder when you have a yeah i understand kid you know yeah she has needs and yeah and um yeah, it is expensive to live around here too and it seems like yeah people just want your money all the time yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, dude it's hard enough being alive <sighs> I, I alone. Are, are um are you raising her yourself no i and um you know i see her regularly but uh, it's not even like i don't even have her like half the time so oh i got you i got you so yeah you're um so you've got her but uh, the, at the, the normal split yeah more deal. or less and then like her mom's got something going on so for the next few weeks I have her every night which is oh, awesome really? okay good but, for but, you um, and then I drop her back off there in the morning so I can go to work and then yeah it's gonna be tough it's <laughs> gonna be tough but it's it's I get to see her enough and we have a really good relationship it's nice it's like mm-hmm. yeah I didn't want to be like when I grew up you know, I lived with my mom when I was younger, and I saw my dad every other Sunday. That was it, you know, and mm-hmm. I didn't ever want to go there, you know, and I didn't, I still don't have really any feelings for him, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm happy that I have an actual relationship with my daughter. Absolutely. So, Knowing so. what the alternative could be. Yeah. <laughs> That's... I'm just hoping the next generation, trying to improve the future generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From what I can see, you're doing a fantastic job because she certainly loves to communicate with you, and yeah, she's awesome. She seems happy, happy as heck. It's it's great. Uh, Groundchuck is also asking: Is there is anyone funnier than Lucky? Yeah, you are. <laughs> Groundchuck is hilarious. Groundchuck's funnier than a lot of people. His podcast was hilarious. Yeah, he did not hold back at all. Oh my gosh, he was so funny. One of one of the most downloaded ones, uh, for sure. He's 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 good. Um, is anyone saltier than Chris Sales? Now we're gonna get into Chris Sales. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I don't know. He's another awesome BMX character, though. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's. I mean, I'm sure there's other salty humans i'm really surprised that chris sales doesn't ride bmx anymore that was a shocker to me i just assumed he'd be like yeah forever 70 years old down at the trails right right but uh he's awesome he's fun to see. i did, he came up here on a motorcycle trip i guess it was last fall or something it was oh, yeah? it was cool to see him i hadn't seen him in a long time oh nice he still lives in eastern pa philly oh philly okay yeah. He's a teacher. He's a history teacher. Oh, I think I heard. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, Yo, dude. I don't know. Yep. I can't imagine him I, teaching a class. Oh it's pretty awesome. I think I did hear that. Um, oh my gosh. Well, let's just jump to this one so we can so we can uh, move on to different questions. But Seb Scott says Chris Sales stories, please! Exclamation point. And then it was seconded by Tommy Menz. Um, <laughs> If you just want to pick a Chris Sale story, it'd be it'd be perfectly fine by me. If you no, the one that sta- the one that stands out, we were I was down at Posh and we were digging, and he called like a trail meeting because they, we were talking they were talking about like 
un- I, they wanted to drop the flat bottom. It was like after Fort Wayne going into middle and that area and they wanted to drop the flat bottom by like a foot or more over the whole area. So it was like a it was a, a large undertaking and he was like, "Yo, yo, we got to oh, trail meeting, trail meeting, you know." And he and he like, "Yo, if we're going to do this, we all need to be on the same page, you know." And and I was like, "No, oh, they're having a trail meeting. That's amazing, you know, like no one has meetings at the trails." <laughs> they do now, but it, yeah. they're not meetings. It's just that's the code word. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. No, this was like an official. Like, oh, for real. Like, we got to be a, gotta discuss, discuss this. You know, if we're going to be doing this. <laughs> well, that was pretty cool. Oh man. You know what's funny is recently the guys at Posh had a trail meeting. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. I think Donny and and Jay and some others. Yeah. A hummingbird just came over here. I'd say I was pretty sure it was Hummingbird. Um, all right, anyway, so that's it for Chris Sales. Uh, Ground Check says, were you the first person to do look down backflips? Uh, it's possible, but I only did them into the foam. So like, uh-huh. And by the time I did them not into the foam, uh, I'm sure someone else had done it. It was a, I did that like the day I learned backflips into a river. Mm-hmm. I did those like right off the bat. I was like, I'll bet I could do a look down while I'm doing this, you know, and I just... Did that, um, but yeah, it's pretty know. impressive <laughs> because that was probably back early 2000s. That would have been ni- no, late 90s. I'd have been like probably 19 or so. We oh. learned that the backflip learning backflips was funny. It was me, Lucky, and Joe learned them at the same time, mm-hmm. and we built like a four foot tall launch ramp and I had this shitty old like Dodge Charger like the four cylinder ones uh-huh. and we tied this huge this thing onto my roof yeah. and drove it down to this river <laughs> and, and we're just ju- and we were jumping we jumped in it was like a boat loading area so uh-huh. it, was, it was only like two foot or two deep yeah. and then there was like three foot of mud mm-hmm. and we were just launching ourselves into the mud oh gosh and that's how we- we learned backflips and it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's crazy. If you don't have a foam pit, find a river. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um let's see. Grouchuk also wants to know, do you have the balls to go behind me in a train? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've already explained that's how I learned to ride trails. <laughs> I mean I may as well. Right, right. But yeah, I'll go behind you. Hey, it would be awesome to ride with Chuck again. I haven't. That would be pretty fucking cool. I, I'd like to go to the wheel mill. That would be a cool place to. I'll keep in touch with you because I, I went there. I was doing a lot of podcasts there the, over the yeah, winter. Yeah, I noticed. But, I was like, God damn, he goes a long way for these podcasts. <laughs> um, that was three separate trips. I did four recordings at each one, so I did 12 uh, podcasts over three trips. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, you know, I had a friend there, and then I the friendships grew. Yeah. through that community Pittsburgh's so an awesome scene it's so awesome I I love Pittsburgh I'd move to Pittsburgh yeah it's a nice yeah. place but then Crandall went and showed me around Richmond I'm like this is really cool too <laughs> I'm like damn you know which place do I move oh wait a minute my wife doesn't want to move ever yeah <laughs> damn um, but yeah uh, but yeah I'll follow you Chuck oh, sure 
Yeah, we'll we'll go there, and you you guys can ride the woods room together. Um, he, as uh, as Steve said in his in his podcast, you have to be do something to do something, and ground check can still can still do something uh, because he's too something. I'm thinking, but anyway, you know, he he still rides well. I think, you know, he, uh, and he the last one is pizza pizza or beer for Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I one time I was, so I would stay over at Chuck's house all the time. Yeah. And one time I'm there and I'm his dad, Larry, comes walking up the stairs in in a boxer shorts. Uh-huh. And he's got he had this huge just taut round gut like yeah. like there was a beach ball in there. <laughs> and he's rubbing this enormous thing and he's he's going, Pizza and beer. It was like a Homer, Homer Simpson, Simpson or yeah. something, yeah. <laughs> that's was, what that's all about. That was pretty awesome. Oh, man. I, Larry was a super nice person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, oh and he, so he he was he was a veteran uh-huh. and he was on disability. Mhm. And that's another quote I remember from Larry was your taxes are pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh that's great yeah oh, they don't fall far from the tree huh <laughs> man yep all right let's go to sam left a question sam havernack or i used to call him have a track um, but he wants to know your wildest animal experience um well, i used to catch rattlesnakes when i lived at woodward really and uh that was the first one I ever caught, the thing it was like trying to bite me. It was like creeping over with its fang. I was holding it behind the neck, you know, and it's really? like, this fang's like, mm, yeah, and I was like, hey, Jesus. Um, oh, my God. And then, crazy. Um, yeah. That's, I, when I got back to camp, there was this doctor that worked at camp, mm-hmm. and he was in, and they're like, I told someone, they're like, oh, you should sell, tell Dr. Dubin. He's, he's really into snakes. So I went and found them, and I. I told him, and he looked at me, and very matter-of-factly said, "You're crazy." You know, like, like, yeah, it was just like, yeah, you're a crazy person, you know. And I was like, "Thanks uh, for validating that, yeah. Doc." <laughs> um, so that was that was, it was always exciting. And then um, I've since stopped doing that because I figure, just playing the odds, I'm going to get bit sooner or later if I keep bringing right. them up. But I go. There's actually some right up here on the mountain. I found a den, and I go visit and just look at them and stuff. What? Yeah. Really? Like, like really, like a mile away or less, right up the hill. And they're, this time of year, they're, they're there. This they're, time of year, they may not be. In the spring and the fall, they're there, but then in the summer, they travel a little. But they do return to yeah, a, to a all, winter spot? Yeah, they have a den, so they go there to the den every year. Same yeah, den. Yeah. That's wild. It's interesting. Huh. Um, I got to get more comfortable with snakes somehow. Another animal experience that was wild. It was mm-hmm. funny because it was a deer, but I got between a mother and a baby deer once, and I thought the deer was going to attack me. It was like this, probably the scariest animal experience, and it was a deer, which you, you think are like the yeah, ooh, it's a deer. Right. This deer was like pawing the ground and snorting at me. I was like, oh my god, this thing's going <laughs> to attack me. <laughs> so that was funny. Oh god. <laughs> Um, let's see. 
James Hawkins, he says, I can remember the first time meeting Chris. He was riding trails with four pegs and front brakes and going higher than anyone. He was super nice, and he let me follow him through some of the lines. Thank you, Chris. What was your favorite line at Minersville? And do you still put the front brakes on from time to time? <laughs> Minersville. Oh, what the hell was it called? Thunder. So it, it was this line called Ladies. Ladies to Valley. I used to, that was my favorite. And then he built Thunder. And then Thunder was like a, it also went into this thing called Valley. Did you ever go to Minersville? No. That was a good place. So uh, yeah, like Thunder was awesome. And it went into this, there was a berm, jump, berm. And it was real smooth. It was always like, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. And then there was this other section, I don't even remember what the heck it was called, but it was just, it ended in a 30 plus foot step up, but you were going, it was like dead easy, and like the jump before that was 27 feet, and you could overshoot it, and it didn't matter, you were going so fast, you know, and then you would hit this enormous, and the lip was like 8 foot tall on the step up, it was super, you just went sailing. That was really, but yeah, I don't know what my favorite was. It was always a good time though. Yeah. Those were really neat trails. What's the front front brakes question all about? Oh yeah, <clears throat> I don't think I'll ever put front brakes. I want to. I'd like to get a flatland bike, and I'll put front brakes on that. Uh huh. And then if I ever could have like two bikes at the same time for, if I could set up like a mini ramp bike, I'd uh-huh. put front brakes on it. But I, otherwise, I don't like the clutter. I actually just took off. I'm down to no pegs now. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying that. I'm like, oh, it's just cleaner and nice. Yeah, right. I put front brakes. I grew up, like, I was a freestyle kid, you know? I always had sure. four pegs and brakes and gyro. Uh-huh. And um, I never had any issue with it. And then for years, I didn't have front brakes. And then I put them back on once. And in a week's time, I got stuck in a look down twice. Oh, and uh, and then I was like, I, and I, I haven't put them back on since. Wow. Um, front brakes are fun on on a mini ramp or like flatland. I'll I'll mess around on flatland. That's fun. Right. But I don't. I just have my one bike, so no uh-huh. front brakes. Right. Right. <laughs> Andrew, uh, Stroll Genie, he wants to know who who was all in ATK. Was it you, Mel? And Lucky, or am I making that up? What's it, ATK? It was called Active Transpo Kids. Ah. That was the Allentown... Um, that was our um, team. Uh-huh. We made shirts. We'd go to, like, the... What was it? What was the was AFA comp? American Freestyle oh, Association yeah, yeah. Contest. And yeah. We'd all have our shirts on. And, and it was those dudes, and then there was others. There was, like, um, John Schilling... And um, I don't know. There was a whole crew names that I can't. Not even. They're not. And I'm sorry if any of you guys are listening. But there was like a whole. Like I said, when I met those guys, there was like a crew of like 15 guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, yeah, so that was the the active transport kids. Yo, and it was like you know, kind of like the rap yeah. and the yeah that sort of thing. This is. I was a country kid. I wasn't. Yeah. 
Is this like pre-East Coast Destruction? Oh, yeah. This is like... A long time ago. This is when I was 16, 17, so... Oh. It's mid-80s, huh? Yeah, 87, 88, 89. Oh, okay. Somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. All right, let's... Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Copeland just wants to flat out say the East Coast secret weapon. That's you. <laughs> uh, Paul Robertson. Best and worst memories of the 16th Street house in Davenport. I don't remember which the 16th Street house was. Did you stay in more than one place? Because you went back and you went back twice, right? Or went twice. Yeah, so I was in three different houses there. When I first got there, we lived in this one house, and then Tim Quaddy, who was one of the original owners, uh-huh. moved to a different house, and me and Sandy went and lived there. Mm-hmm. And then um, <clears throat> we went to a... It's one of the only contests I ever got sent to, like, as a... Uh, sponsored rider. Uh-huh. Rick wanted us to go out to a Marino Valley contest in California. Uh-huh. And this guy Tim Quaddy was he wanted him to take us out. Mm-hmm. And um Tim had this girlfriend that me and Sandy didn't like and then he was gonna bring his girlfriend and so we were just jerks to this girl for no good reason. You know, it was nothing we were we were jerks and we so we drove out there with them. Uh-huh. Being just jerks for no good reason, <laughs> and then after the contest, you know, he was supposed to come back and pick us up Monday morning, and uh, and he just left us in California. It was pretty awesome. You know? Really, and uh, we, we totally we deserved it, I guess. You know, uh-huh. but then um, so we were just like, hey, he's not here, and Sandy got a hold of some girls that he knew that also knew him, and they're like, yeah, he left you guys. He's already halfway back, and. And uh, so we had to, like, we took a bus. It was two days on the Greyhound to get from, like, L.A. to Davenport. And and then we called, like, Rick and those guys and told them what happened. And they went to the house, which may have been the 16th. I don't remember what house was what. But they went there and just destroyed all his stuff. And, like, it was a pretty Ooh. ugly little experience. And then when we got back... He had changed the locks, and we had called the cops, and they told him he had to let us in to get our stuff. And... Oh, man. <laughs> man. Oh, my God. So that was a... I got to say, I haven't heard a lot of great uh, Iowa stories no. the, through these podcasts I've done. Oh, yeah, that man. was a strange scene. Yeah. I have no, like... Yeah. I have no issues with, like, Rick, though. A lot of people, like, have weird... Yeah. Hey, he was always... I never you know, was nice to me. Gave me bicycles. And right. yeah, I have no issues with Rick. Yeah, I know a lot of people did. Yeah, he was one of my heroes when I was real young. I used to see him in like horror shows and stuff. He, he was that a, guy's got some history. Yeah, and not just freestyle. I mean, he was a good racer. Yeah, he was, he was like was a top. A, that's that's what I, I yeah. always liked guys that could do everything. And I was like, yeah. dude, he's good at fucking everything. Yeah. You know? That was Brian Foster. Yeah. Since you may not pay attention to all the news, he made it into the Hall of Fame this uh, year. I did see that. Yeah. yeah. That's it's awesome. so cool. It's awesome because he truly could do everything. Yeah. And still does. I mean, he could still do anything. I'm, I'm sure he could still race if he wanted to. Yeah. I saw him. That was an early trails experience when I, I don't think I could ride yet. And we, I think it was sales trails. I think they called them. They were in like um, Easton area. Mm-hmm. 
I don't, and I, I don't think I could even jump the jumps really. And we went there once, and um, Brian Foster was there, and I didn't know who Brian Foster was. I was just like, "Who the hell is that guy?" You know, right. that guy's awesome. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. And I was just yeah. like, blown away by this guy. And it turned out that was who it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, amazing guy, amazing talent. Yeah. Uh, New Jersey eight five six wants to know: Did you ever go pro? Why or why not? I never went pro. I never like really. People would always call me a pro, mm-hmm. and I always thought that was weird because I never made any. I was like, isn't being professional mean that you like earn a living <laughs> doing something? You know, isn't there like a textbook definition for this? I never made any money riding a bicycle you know and I never really you know I wasn't very good at contests and whatnot but yeah people would always call me a pro so I don't know uh, whatever any of that means you know yeah right I just people would give me bicycles sometimes and that was nice and I'm thankful for that you know yeah right <laughs> Sounds hey nowadays you know with 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 some parts of BMX being so difficult to make money, that would be considered a full pro sponsorship yeah. if you get a bike. Um, and New Jersey 856 also asks, which do you love more? Uh, I think I know the answer to this one from our conversations. Which do you love more, riding or shooting photos? Riding. Yeah, I was going to say, at our point in our lives, <laughs> I'll take pictures from a chair later. <laughs> right now I want to ride. Uh, Johnny Rivet. He wants to know, uh, or he's just saying, first rider I saw hit the push trails in the 90s was you. Uh, Speed Skull, and this is actually the last question, and we'll just finish things off, but he wants to know what your first BMX bike was. This is always fun to get an answer on. Uh, Well, the first, it was like, it was a department store bike. It was blue and black. It had black, like, moto mags type things. Were they selling rally rampars at... At uh, department stores, it was, was all Huffy. JC Penny, that's where we got it. I have no idea what brand it was. Yeah. Um, so that was the first like BMX style bike. But the first good BMX bike I got was a Ross. It was a Ross MX time. Uh huh. And it was like a you know chromoly three piece cranks. Really. And I was ten years old, and Ooh. my mom. So the the Ross factory. Ross used to make bicycles in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I didn't know that. Yeah, so there was, and my mother knew someone that worked there and got a deal on this bike. And so we got it like a month or two before my birthday, and um, I had to like save up however 10 year olds saves up half the money, and then we got this bike. And it just sat up in their room for like a month. And I remember I would go up there and like, I remember that, you know, that smell of the <laughs> grease on a new bike. And I'd look through the handholes in the box and, like, touch the <laughs> the rims and stuff for, like, a month before I got to actually put the thing together and ride it. But that was my first. You know, oh, like, that's an awesome story. Good bike. Oh, man. <laughs> the smell of the new rubber. Yeah. You're like, oh. oh. Every time, like, I go in a bike shop now, it just, like, brings right. You know, right. That. Uh, everyone has <laughs> this the, or the smell yeah when a bike set yeah that's so funny smells can bring back all kinds of memories mm-hmm. well that's pre- that's pretty much the end of it it's, it's pretty painless I think yeah. 
It was uh, it was fun to learn about you for sure. <laughs> now we finally meet face to face, even though our tire tracks have been in the same place for a little while. Yeah, I, the other so day I was down there and I was, I was like, there's fresh tracks. Yeah. Someone was here, <laughs> and I was like, it can only be Joe. <laughs> no, and I was like, I wonder who it was. And then later on, I was on Instagram and I was like, oh, it was Joe. Yeah, I yeah. see now. <laughs> I was like thinking maybe someone new came yeah, down right, here. And, right. Yeah. Right. Well, through that, and, you know, and I don't tell people exactly where it is um, because of, you know, things we, we yeah. talk about, and I was talking about with Chaps and Sam, but uh, there are lots of people that want to check it out, but lots. Um, so someday we'll just get something going and just yeah, that'd be spend cool. a Saturday there and get a bunch of guys up. You know, there's yeah. people that definitely want to ride it. It needs tire tracks on it, too. It does, and it's a fun, it's a fun, fun place. It's It'd be fun to get. Yeah, get I'm some actually. Because I mean, I've been up here like eight, no, like nine years now. And when I, it, so the, I got up here and I came from Austin. Right. And I get here and those things were not in near as good a shape as they are now. And we went there and I'm just like, this isn't fun, you know? Like and right, right. Like, and then um, and no one was really going there. They were kind of like. You know, they could just kind of scrape it off and kind of get it running, and I yeah. was like, hey, it's not really. And I thought the dirt, it felt a little slow to me, mm-hmm. so I was like, eh, those things, you know. And then this year, we started working on them, and I'm like, really, I'm like, oh, it's actually fun, and the jumps are good, and the dirt's holding up. I'm like, this. Yeah. Is, you uh, could... Now I feel bad that I just ignored it for like the last nine years or whatever. Oh. But. <laughs> yeah. But uh. Yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really surprised and happy with how they're coming along, and they're really fun to ride. Pretty cool. Um, so I was just going to finish it off with anyone you'd like to acknowledge in in your life, in any part of your life, and uh, just plans and goals for the for the future. As far as you, that can be in any category you want, and then we'll kind of wrap it up on that. I wish um, I don't keep in touch well. I have like all these friends that I just don't ever call. I'm like I, you know, the people I'm around every day are my. That's who I'm in contact with. Sure. But I have all these, like Joe Rich and mm-hmm. Mel Cody and Lucky and all these people that were like Sandy Carson that I spent a lot of time with and rode with a whole lot. Right. It was, you know, I love all you guys. Um, just my life is here and my daughter and I think about everyone from time to time mm-hmm. and it's awesome to have you know just ridden with all those people I got to see I saw Chase Hawk last week and it was cool just cause I rode with him when he was like 13 oh yeah and um you know, I, I just you know, it was cool to like see him again. I was like reminiscing. I was like, yeah, like, when you were 13, he would ride the trails clipped in. He would come right from the racetrack on his race bike, and he would ride 9th Street clipped in. Really? And he would like, he would like pedal in the pits and ride off the next lip and stuff. It was, it was cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like all these, yeah. Like Ruben Alcantara, it would be cool to. Uh huh. See him again. Were you friends with Garrett? Or are you friends with Garrett, I should say? 
I never got to spend a whole lot of time with Garrett. I mean, you you, you have similar personalities, I think. Uh, yeah. Very patient, very you know, kind of soft spoken, and just uh, you think a lot. Yeah, uh, I'd like to hang out with him more. I mean, I don't know if I never spent enough time with Garrett to say we're friends, but we're mm-hmm. like. But I feel like kind of we are friends because we're like in the same era and yeah, geographic location and all that. Right. But yeah, if he happen to come to the jam, he'll be there. He's gonna bring his son. Nice. So it's we went to the yeah. one last year for Scotty. Were you there? I or ran. Your yeah, yeah, it was my thing. Um, but yeah, you were there last year. I didn't realize yeah. that. I mean, there were so many. We had yeah. nine hundred people there, so it was, yeah, it was it was a blur. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was that was a good time. But yeah, um, yeah, I might try and make it to that. Yeah, it's uh, Powder Ridge. I mean, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's anyone. Thanks to anyone who's. Uh, you know what I, I I have to say? People raised money for me. Props. I should. I, I want to thank Chris and Marco for that and just for the opportunity to make that magazine and um, Rick at Standard for helping me giving me bicycles he let me you know I designed some ads and shirts and stuff for Standard Mm -hmm. and a brochure that was still one of my favorite things that I've designed Uh and um, Crandall (laughs) Being Crandall. That's right. Talking me into moving to Fort Wayne and then Ithaca and then Binghamton. Uh, you know, it'd be just as a. I burned down FBM. That's a story that I should have got into. He told it in his podcast. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I haven't listened Something to about yet. moving boxes next to a heater. And, yeah. And, and it's one of my claims of fame. I but, burned down FBM. Don't worry. if When you listen, you'll hear that he actually thanks you for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's all good. I like the, it was like the angel of death, you know, like, yeah. got things moving. <laughs> That's right. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyone that I've, all right, I just anyone that I've spent time with in BMX, mm-hmm. thank you for the good times. Um, and hopefully, I'm not good at, like, plans for the future I'm just gonna as long as I can ride my bike I'll, I think I'll ride my bike because it's fun to do mm-hmm. I don't really have any specific goals mm-hmm. I still like you know it's funny because I still like have things I want to learn and stuff uh-huh. it's funny or like I want to do I want to backflip the one set down there and I'm like think about it every time I'm down there don't know why I want to do that there's no good reason for me to do that <laughs> but, yeah it would be pretty cool so I just tough once you get those things stuck in your head I know you know there's certain things I want to do down there too and I'm just like oh man I want to but anyway that's that's hey plans goals for the future can be yeah. uh, can be as as simple as you want and they yeah. they mean the most I hear the I hear the the plan for your future right yeah. there in the pool that's my my plan is just to be involved in my daughter's life as much as I can and then still try and have fun sure. and enjoy being 
alive on this planet. Good for as you. much as I can. <laughs> well, you're doing a good job, man. I'm glad you pulled yourself out of out of the the funk that you're in, and you're healthy, and you know, yeah. I'm I'm fortunate to be able to meet you and spend yeah, time good with to you. Meet you. Yeah, I absolutely appreciate it. Yeah, we'll wrap on that. All so right, enjoy the rest good. of this beautiful night. Yeah, it was great. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> good stuff. Ugh. <sighs>